The Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan podcast by night, all day. Powerful Dan Hardy. <laughs> What's up, buddy? How are you, man? Thanks for coming by, man. I'm very excited to have this conversation with you. And uh, the internet has been a, a buzz, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's been something... You're a misunderstood dude, man. Am I? You know, yeah, I think so. A lot of people, uh, especially seeing your trash talking and you know hyping up like the GSP fight and knock the fake tan off you, people would think that you're an asshole. You're not an asshole at all. You're like, you're a super chill guy. Like I, I, never, I don't think I've ever been around you and felt like, wow, that Dan Hardy's just too much. I gotta get the fuck away from him. <laughs> you're like really easy to get along with. You're a very friendly guy. You just are really good at talking shit when it comes down to fight time and pissing yeah. people off. And that really is something that people have to understand. You know, like there's, there's a pageantry involved in promoting a fight and in fucking with someone's head that you're going to fight. And it's, it's, people don't like it when other people are better at that aspect <laughs> of fighting. You know, they get mad. Yeah. People get mad if you can talk mad shit about them. If they're not good at talking shit back... Ah, they go into the fight with it like a deficit already. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of crazy. It's, it, it's, it was the culture I was brought up in, though, you know, like, like, you know, banter between teammates at Roughhouse is, is pretty much bullying. I mean, yeah. it gets pretty serious, like, to where I'm sure some of the guys go home and cry after the sessions, it's, <laughs> you know. So it's, it's just kind of a natural thing for me. And then when somebody bites a little bit to a comment that I made, I, I can't help myself. It's too much fun. <laughs> That's it's very English is very similar to Boston in that way. Mm. Boston has that same like you know real ins insulting style to their trash talk within yeah. uh, sports teams and athletes, and it's just part of the whole thing. And uh, some people don't like it, and I could get that. I, I get that. There's some people want that Zen state Anderson Silva approach where you just go in, but people forget about Anderson Silva in Abu Dhabi. They forget when he was when he was fighting with Damian Maya, talking to him, calling him all kinds of shit in Portuguese. He was fucking with that dude's head while he was lighting him up, you know. Yeah, that's even crazy tra trash talk. The trash talk that goes on while you're kicking someone's ass. Yeah. I remember watching him fighting Lee Murray. Um, I was I was at the side of the cage in the oh. of that fight, and the Tony Frickland one. Oh, dude, and you were there for that? Yeah. Oh that my was god, the people who haven't seen Anderson Silva became Anderson Silva when he went to Japan and when he went to England. Mm. Like, but England was really where he, it all came together for him. You know, yeah. like Japan, he got some good fights, but he had some losses. You know, yeah. the Rio Chonin he, flying that heel hook. Weird, yeah. yeah, I mean, he had some good fights. Um, who's that kid who was calling him Alex Diebling? The kid who was calling himself the Brazilian killer. Okay. Remember, they, yeah, they yeah. all got pissed off at him. Yeah. Anderson, he beat him. He caught him with a, with a high kick. And then he knocked out Carlos Newton. That was probably his most spectacular fight over there. Yeah, but he, the flying knee, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, and it was after Carlos dominated him on the ground. Carlos was very good, mm -hmm. very advanced at that time. Like He had like the most advanced ground game yeah. of, of guys that were fighting in high level. And he had Anderson down, he had mounted him, and it did not look like Anderson was getting up. Um, but I think they gave him a yell card or something like that. I don't know how they got stood back up again. I don't know what happened. But they got stood back up again, and bang, he hit him with a flying knee and knocked him out. And it was after that... He he like he got his footing with a couple of good fights, but it wasn't until he went to England and mm. fought in Cage Rage that yeah. that's when he became Anderson Silva. Mm. He was so comfortable. It was yeah. It, it was. I really felt watching the Lee Murray fight that he could have stopped at any any point. You know, he, he really just kind of 
torturing him a little bit and beating him up. Yeah, he was tough. He was beating the fuck out of Lee Murray. Yeah. He was fucking his legs up, man. And, you know, and Murray is tough as shit. Yeah. He hung in there, man, the entire time. He stabbed like 38 times or something. Yeah. And was training six weeks later. He made a video about him hitting the mitt six weeks later. If if people don't know who we're talking about, this guy is like really a, a legitimate folklore type character yeah. he's a like, guy Ritchie movie character yeah he and he's almost greater than a guy Ritchie character <laughs> because you would never believe a guy Ritchie character really could be like a top mma fighter yeah. and also one of the greatest armed robbery suspects in the history of the universe no no it's pretty crazy I, I remember sitting in traffic on the way to cage rage i had uh, paul daly in the car and uh like stuck in traffic but not far from the arena and Lee Murray just racing up the hard shoulder in his in his uh, I think he was a BMW or something <laughs> like like seventy miles an hour just he was crazy. Yeah. Did you see him falling out with Matt Lindland after that fight? They, uh, Lindland fought a cage rage and they brought Murray in to kind of hype up a fight between the two. I didn't see that. Yeah, Lee Murray was you're a, you're a fucking monkey. You look like a fucking monkey. And he was and Matt Lindland was just he didn't even think it was real. It was. It was pretty hilarious. Lee Murray's like throwing stuff at him. Well, he was real. Yeah, he just really was that crazy. Yeah. There's every now and then a dude comes along like that. Yeah. You know, we're lucky that he didn't come along in like a, a, like the dark ages. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. he would have. I'm sure there were people like him. Though. Fuck yeah, there yeah. were. That guy would have had like the scariest gang ever. If back <laughs> yeah. when there was like very little rules, you could have yeah. swords and shit. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It'd have, yeah, it'd have run like a bunch of outlaws in a forest. <sighs> you gotta think, man, that time in our, our lives in the, 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 for the human race, that was only like a thousand years ago. Yeah. That's not that long ago, no. man. <laughs> it's no. like medieval. medieval yeah, shit. that's not that long ago. That's so, so recent. Yeah. The DNA is still there. Public beheadings. And yeah. Stuff. And every now and then, you get some straight lineage type shit. You get a dude who just has basically barbarian genes <laughs> and he's walking amongst regular folks here in 2013 yeah. <laughs> he just he's not playing by any rules he's got no rules he's just going for it until he hits a wall just full clip until he hits a wall mm-hmm. it's it's important to know that it's possible that a guy like that could exist yeah and people yeah. get romantic about it and upset but you could not get upset about it today. You can got, not get romantic about it today. You could, you know, say, "Oh, you know, you're glorifying something. That you're glorifying something pathetic." You know, what if this guy inspires other kids to live that way? Okay, but make no mistake about it. A hundred years from now, it's going to be an awesome story. Okay, two hundred still... years ago, when you're not connected, yeah. From now, like when we're not connected to it emotionally, it's going to be an awesome story. Yeah. But we study these people now, though. I mean, look at like uh, you know, like Ch- like Bronson. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, What's a lot this, of folks don't know Chopper? that documentary, the Bronson documentary. Yeah. It was really weird. Yeah. yeah, Chopper was really weird too. Yeah, but those, but they're they're those kind of people. Yeah, know? like Lee Murray's got to have a, a movie made about him or something. Oh fuck yeah, yeah. And unquestionably. Yeah. And he could fucking fight, man. He could yeah. fight. Yeah, I saw him uh, fight Amir Renavardi. Yeah, starched was, him, man. Like, I mean, it was so ruthless. His right hand was fucking nasty. Mm. He was really, really sharp striker. Really powerful guy. I mean, he wasn't like the most technical guy, which is where Anderson picked him apart. Yeah. You know, he was... Such fast hands, though. He was very fast and very confident. Mm. Very confident. You know, it took a guy like Anderson to sort of pick him apart. A guy who just was 
clearly Anderson's on some another. He's on some next level in like every department. Yeah. He's on some next level physical shit. He's on some next level mental shit. He's on some next level confidence shit. He's on some next level success shit. He really feels like he's magic. He feels like he can go in there and just do shit to people. But he can. And he, he can. And he does. You're right. So he's like that. It takes a guy like that to do that to a guy like Lee Murray. Yeah. You know, a guy like when. When you see Anderson like at his best, it's one of the weirdest things because mm. you can't believe a guy can do what he just did, you know. Like when he fucked up when we were there in Brazil and he fought Stefan Bonner, dude, that was like I was watching a movie. Yeah, it was like the guy just put his back to the cage and let him tee off on him, and then brought him back in, got to the center and brought him right back in, puts his hands down, stands right in front of him. And then when he decides to strike, throws him to the ground and buries him with one knee. Yeah. And you're like, Jesus. Yeah. But it was like the, the Forrest Griffin fight, though. Yeah. You know, he, he'd been baiting him to like, uh, like overextend on his punches. Yeah. All the way through the round. And then as soon as he did it and crossed his feet, <sighs> he just, that was he, surreal. Yeah. Well, he's a master. Mm. He's a real master. It's kind of, kind of an honor to be around witnessing it live. You yeah. Know? Yeah, I agree. It's an honor to be able to call it for sure. It's, uh, it's, mm. it's really shocking. His his abilities are very shocking. But, you know, one day we're going to look back at, at him and we're going to look at some new guy. Just the way people used to look at Sugar Ray Robinson and Roy Jones Jr. Yeah. Sugar Ray Robinson was amazing. But I think Roy Jones Jr. in his prime would have lit him up like a Christmas tree. I don't think he would have even mm. been able to fuck with him. He yeah. wouldn't have been able to find him. But then look at Mayweather. Yeah. As much as I dislike the guy. Yeah. Beautiful you know? boxer. Yeah. Beautiful. Amazing. Roy, the problem with Roy was all that John Ruiz fight. Mm. He went up in weight and won the heavyweight fight. That documentary was good, though. Did you watch it? What is it? The documentary about his training for that. Oh, no. No, yeah. I didn't. It was, it was really interesting. He got this little old white dude doing all his uh, strength and conditioning. Wow. And this guy was oh, was really it Mackie weird. Shillstone? Is that his name? Mackie Shillstone yeah, is the guy. Well, let me see. if well, I'll, t- I'll pull it up. Name, I think He's I the guy who trained, um, uh, he trained uh, Spinks, Michael Spinks, for his heavyweight fights with uh, Larry Holmes. Yeah. And then again for Tyson, I think. Huh. Yeah. I remember watching, uh, it was one of the, one of the HBO shows. Uh, one of the HBO shows with uh, uh, Roy Jones preparing for a fight. And it was when I was training at Legends. And there was this, this shot where he was training to run DMC, and he's like doing his shadow box into the rhythm of the music. So I was immediately downloaded Run DMC and started doing it at the gym. In the <laughs> Ring of Legends. Wow. It was a good time. Yeah, he. Shillstone, right? Yeah, he worked with Roy Jones. Yeah. He was, a, he was an interesting character. Well, it's interesting because what happened was then Roy, he looked spectacular in the Ruiz fight, but then he drops down to fight Antonio Tarver. He has to lose a lot of weight. Yeah. Because he's a 205-pound, 206-pound guy now. I mean, he was a small heavyweight, but I think he still he got above 200 pounds. Yeah. Which, to drop all the way the fuck down to 175 again, that is a big deal. It is. It's way easier to talk your body into getting bigger than it is to talk your body into getting smaller. Yeah. Like, you have to fucking starve yourself. Especially in a sport like boxing, where you've got to, you know, continuously <clears throat> work for a, yeah. a long period of time. Yeah, he looked completely different in that fight physically. Like, his body looked deflated, you know? Yeah. Like, cutting weight like that, it just ruined him. And then he got knocked out by Tarver, and then he got knocked out again even scarier by Glenn Johnson. Mm. And those those fights, I think, a direct result of him weakening himself to drop down to 175 pounds or a direct result also of whatever the fuck he took to get up to 200-plus pounds not being in his system anymore and his system crashes, mm. which is 
what happens, especially if you're like in your late 30s yeah. and you're a, a pro athlete who's yeah. getting head trauma on a regular basis, yeah. all, those are all things designed to lower your testosterone, all those things. You know, it's almost like nature has it set up like you can only get hit in the head so many times for yeah. it just start, okay, looking, slow the fuck down, mm -hmm. bitch, Jesus Christ. Like literally slows down your testosterone from head trauma. It's like, yeah. look, we got to figure out a way to stop getting hit in the head. And maybe this asshole is just like <laughs> too aggro. Nature doesn't know that you got a fucking fighting career to think about. <laughs> yeah, I hated watching him uh, fight Kawasaki. Yeah, did you? I don't particularly like Kawasaki either, and it was just it was just rough to watch. He's a shell of himself. He's yeah. a shell of himself. I I don't think Kawasaki could have hung with Roy when Roy was in no. his prime. When Roy fought Vinny Pazienza, it was the first fight ever recorded where the opponent did not land a single punch. He went through a whole round boxing with Vinny Pazienza. When Pazienza was in his prime, and Pazienza swinging for fucking fences <laughs> and getting nothing for a whole round. Wow. I mean, that's insane. You're, 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 in the, you're both punching, and this guy hits you 60 times, and you hit him zero. That's insane. We, sh we should get Anderson Silva to break that record. Like, <laughs> like number of punches missed in a round or something. Well, you, what you need with an Anderson Silva, you're going to need a Roy Jones-type dude to beat Anderson Silva. Yeah. You're going to need uh, a guy who's got that kind of, but with Muay Thai. Yeah. Those guys are out there, man. They're out there. They just got to put it together. We all knew, like, you, you, you came up doing martial arts like a good portion of your life, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. So you must have went to, like, karate tournaments and them. saw, like, those yeah. few young kids that were super talented where everybody was like god damn but yeah. sometimes they never come to fruition you know they never become the martial arts legends that they well, could have been in my experience with that though people that find it that easy and pick it up that quickly usually, usually lose interest isn't that quick. weird yeah it's kind of frustrating there's only a very few that stick with it yeah and that's when you get someone like anderson silva or john jones or john jones yeah, yeah there's those guys who have that the, the lethal combination of like dedication and that freak and skill and freak bodies, yeah. man. So people can do some freak I mean, shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's certain dudes that like John Jones can do some freak shit to people. Mm. You know, like he can, you know, he's spinning elbows people in the head. He's giant. You yeah. can't get a hold of him. He out wrestles everybody. He's, he's all limbs though, isn't he? I he's mean, all I, limbs. I, I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine throwing any strike at him that wouldn't hit something sharp. Doesn't. You know I mean? Yeah. It'd be like kicking a bag of wrenches. Yeah. He's fucking scary right now. <laughs> Dude is scary right now. He's on this next level scary shit right yeah. now where he's just dis like so confident just decides like, to maul Chael Sonnen. He? He's like 15 or something. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's just turned 24 or 25. I'm getting old, man. Yeah, well, it is a, a, a young man's game. It is. What is the, this condition that pulled you out of uh, your next fight? Um, the wolf heart thing. What um, is it called? It, that, is that called... like a baboon heart? Yeah, yeah, it's exactly the same. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What is what is uh what um, is what does it mean? It's it's called Wolf Parkinson White syndrome, but I don't have the syndrome because I've never had any symptoms. I only have pattern, which means that I, ha I have a second heartbeat, but it's not never caused a problem. You have a second heartbeat. Yeah, well, basically, uh, you know, in the center of your heart, you've got like the regular pacemaker. It's a bunch of skills that uh, a bunch of uh, cells that. Um, you know, they, they create electrical impulse to, to keep the heart beating. Mm -hmm. And with WPW, people have uh, other cells in the uh, upper parts of the heart that do the same thing. And usually huh. what they would do is they go in, it's called an ablation, they kind of go into uh, the femoral artery and, and they can burn them out and stuff. Wow. But, that's, but people have that done when they, when they have, like, symptoms, you know, when they have, like, palpitations and dizziness and, like, people have panic attacks and stuff. I've never had anything, nothing at all. Oh. So... 
what they're what they're telling me at the moment. I mean, I've got to go back and get some uh, uh, get some more tests done for like a second opinion with a different person. Um, but basically, what the the way I understand it right now is, if I want to continue fighting to get cleared, I have to have the ablation. But because I've never had any symptoms and I'm perfectly fine, I don't see the point in letting someone go and start burning my shit and. You yeah, know. that doesn't sound – that sounds like something they were probably not going to do in five years. Yeah. You know, they're going to go, yeah. well, back when we used to go in there and burn it out, that's, we realized yeah. that's actually a mistake. <laughs> yeah. That was yeah. actually, you know, the yeah. human body figured it out and everything was cool and running smooth and we were being ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, if it was causing a problem right. and, and that's the solution, then I would have it done, but it's not. So their concern is that if they license you and this, this is a potential issue, a health issue? Well, there was, there was that soccer player a few years ago. I think he played for like Chelsea or something and he had a heart attack on the pitch and died. He was like... 28 really um and basically the, the problem is that the, the the main heart rate can only go up to about 220 beats a minute but the secondary cells that that produce a, a, a the second heart rate or the heartbeat is that's limitless that can go to to whatever so it you know like if i'm at 12 minutes into the fight and i'm you know full of adrenaline and completely exhausted and my heart rate can't keep up there's a potential for the other one to kind of take over and oh. start, you know and he can give you a heart attack yeah but but it but you know the chances decrease after twenty five and the chance of it happening is like point six percent. So you know. Well, you also have like a really low resting heart rate. Yeah, forty two. That's very it low. It was when I got the tests. So, yeah. Michael Bisping's is like thirty four. Yeah. That's insane. <laughs> That's incredible, man. Yeah. He doesn't have to feed his brain though. Don't forget. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> Bisping knows I'm kidding. He might have, like, the lowest rate, working heart rate, you know, the resting heart rate of anybody in the UFC. Mm. Yeah. That's it's, pretty impressive. That's work. You only get that from work. He's he's that kind of guy, though. He's always, like, switched on, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. That's, uh, that's a fit motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah, it's in, it's very interesting what you said about like natural talent and then the guys with natural talent. It's oftentimes they're the ones who, yeah. for whatever reason, don't work as hard. Well, Bisping was Bisping was that guy that had the talent and yeah, he's just, he's just a natural fighter. His whole family are, are just tough guys. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I started training with Mike before he'd even had, a, had his first fight, um, and I was training with his coach, and his coach had actually invested money in like bringing him down to Nottingham to train. To like, because he was a DJ at the time. I don't know whether most people know this, but he's, yeah. you know, DJ Mikey B. Uh, <laughs> and, um, you know, he was like in that, you know, the, the, the dance and the rave scene, and he was, you know, all that kind of stuff, the glow sticks <laughs> and shit. Um, yeah, so, so my instructor, like, like, bought him a car and brought him down to Nottingham and, like, fed him and stuff with, with the intention of, of making him a, an MMA star. Wow. Because he had this natural ability, and he is, he's, he's just a tough guy. He's a very tough guy. You know, you, you knock that dude out, he gets up, and he's like, I want a rematch. Yeah. Like, immediately. Yeah. It's it's, yeah. it's pretty interesting. Like, he's a, that guy doesn't lose any steam if he loses. No. Like, yeah. he just goes back to the drawing board, dusts himself off, heals up, and has exactly the same style the next fight. Yeah. Even he, better. He's got a sprinkle in that barbarian in him. Yeah. You know Fuck you. Yeah. There's a lot of that shit out there, man. Yeah. A lot of that barbarian blood. Yeah. It's out there. So, um, what are you going to do now? Well, uh, I'm going to go back and get some, some more tests done. Lorenzo has a, a special cardiologist that he wants me to go and see, so I'm going to get that done and uh, just kind of see what my options are. I don't, I don't see the point in having a surgery done if I, if I have to have it done to carry on fighting. 
It seems scary. It, it just seems pointless to me, but especially because, you know, like... Is it risky? Well, the problem is that they don't know whereabouts in my heart it is. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> they got to go look for it. They got to go look for it. So they didn't say they could fix it. They said they want to study it. They want to study they it. They want to study it. And they wanted to study this four weeks before the fight. So they wanted me to go in and have uh, something put up the inside artery of both my legs and one into my neck so they can go in and try and find it. They put you under while you're doing this? So you're I just chilling? So. Oh, just kinda, just kinda what the out. fuck is yeah. that, Dan Hardy? Like How's that possible? <laughs> You're just yeah. lying there? I think so. Yeah. That's not cool. Yeah. That is so not cool. So the guy was like, oh, so we'll do that, and if we can find it, we can fix it, and then you'll be able to, you know, take a week <sighs> off and then go back to training. Who the so fuck <laughs> thinks you could just chill while they send these, like, wire worms up your yeah, arteries or to yeah. peek inside your fucking heart? My dad said he had oh. that, get that thing up his penis hole. When, like, when he turn, oh, you turn Jesus, a certain age, son. I think it's 60, it's, you have to get artery. that in your penis hole. Oh. Oh. Definitely. Fuck that. But, but I've think... had people on. I've had people tweeting me and stuff, and they're like, uh, "You know, my six-year-old had it done. Stop being such a pussy and get oh, on with it." How like... dare you? <laughs> how dare you? We, have, we have more time. <laughs> There's people that just can't wait to be cunty, Dan Hardy, and you <laughs> got to feel sorry for them because yeah. I'm like a magnet the... for them. They it, all yeah, of course, of <laughs> course. You're you're a brash young man. You talk a lot of shit, and people. They, that's how they. One of the things that people like about it. It generates interest. You know how much hate Chael Sonnen must get oh. all day, every day. Yeah. All day, every day. His Twitter must be a mess. Yeah, but he's got the bank account to match it, though, so it's all yeah, right. Yeah. Well, so that's what. That's the problem with me. You know. Yeah, he really talked himself into uh, some great situations. Yeah. He's he's the best shit talker ever. He he's exciting to he watch. Is. Like I love like interviewing him at a weigh-in because I yeah. know he's going to say some crazy shit. Yeah. That's that's the kind of shit that's going to go down in history. This Fuck yeah! I always remember one line he said when he was preparing for uh, Anderson. I'm not sure which time it was, and he, he said, "He is the champion, but I am the best." Yeah, like, that's a great line. Yeah, you know, I just I want to use that every day at some point. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, and he's so good, even after he loses in selling another fight yeah. like that. Yeah, just think about what happened. The dude got starched by Anderson Silva, and then he says, "You know what, Anderson Silva." is only the beginning. I'm going to go after the light heavyweight champion. And like all of a sudden, he's fighting the light heavyweight champion. I mean, he goes from losing a shot at the middleweight belt to fighting for the light heavyweight belt. Yeah, and you know that's and, impressive. Yeah, it was. And Dana's like, well, he's the one who asked for that fight. I'm like, I, I understand that. He is a, he is a politician. <laughs> though, you know? Yeah, I understand that he's the one that asked for that fight. <laughs> but that's, uh, I mean, you, you got to respect the guy's ability to sell shit. Yeah. I mean... He could sell a fucking pay-per-view, man. I mean, the yeah. dude just lost to Anderson Silva, and there was white people all over the world convinced that he had a shot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was white people all over the world <laughs> that were looking forward to him winning, you know? Yeah. He's such what a character. What a, what a funny, smart guy. Yeah. He's the kind of guy that could knock on your door at, like, 8 a.m., and you're, like, you wake up out of bed all, all tired and shit, and then... He's selling yeah, next, time, next time you close the door and you bought three vacuum cleaners. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, man. But he can fight too, man. Yeah, yeah, he can fight. Yeah. It's just he's he ran into two buzzsaws, two of the, the greatest fighters of the generation. Mm -hmm. and Anderson. And I mean, look what he did to Anderson in the first fight. You can't yeah. take that away from him. Even if Anderson was injured, that was an incredible performance. Was. He was minutes away from winning the title. Mm -hmm. He, he yeah. fucked up in that final round, but he was real do you, do you close. Think he carries that with him, though. Do you think that? Well, him? it's hard to say he doesn't. It's harder to say he doesn't than to say he does. That would because hit me. That to would... say he does, you get all this evidence—the polyphilia yeah. fight, this mm. fight. You know, but you, the uh, the other thing is, 
he's first of all, he's just playing at a real high level, mm. and this kind of shit happens. You're at a real fucking high level, yeah. and if you you look at how it happens in every other fight, it happened in a way that sort of makes sense to him. Like Anderson Silva caught him with a triangle, that sort of makes sense to him. He missed that that spinning back fist, and he got caught. That sort of makes sense. But the John Jones fight didn't make any sense. The John Jones fight was a mauling. Mm. John just took him down and mauled him. Mm. And I think that was, like, the most disappointing for him. Yeah. Because he's a very good fighter, man. If you look at the way he submitted Brian Stan, you know, that's that, that's a scary dude. Mm. Chell Sonnen's a beast. Oh, yeah. No but, doubt about but it. But those A guys are just a step better. And yeah. that's what it is. It's just a step better. That's all they need to be. So so what's your opinion on uh, on uh, fighters accusing each other using steroids? Well, I think um, we we both know that in every sport in the world where there's money involved, people are going to do everything they can mm. in order to be victorious. No doubt. That is just the way it is. There are people who hold principle higher than they hold money, and I know for a fact – I had a long conversation with John Fitch once about it, and John Fitch, I, I guarantee that guy never used anything, mm -hmm. ever. He's just, for him, it was a, a principal issue. Yeah. But that's not everybody. We, we both know it's not everybody. A lot of guys have used stuff. A lot of guys have used stuff, and they've said, well, you know, I'm just trying to get over an injury, and uh, somebody, I'm just going to use it to get over this knee injury. Yeah, that too. You're mm -hmm. doing that too. But also, look, you, you, get a, you realize when you're around a certain amount of, certain amount of like really strong wrestler type dudes you go okay there's nothing i can do to keep this guy off me i gotta get fucking stronger period if i want to stay in this game i gotta get stronger i don't know how the fuck he got that strong but i gotta get stronger and it's really hard to get stronger naturally mm. quick naturally yeah. the shit takes years you know it yeah. takes like four or five years to put on a good 20 pounds of yeah. like real raw muscle or we can do it this way. <laughs> and everybody's doing it. And then you go, okay, if everybody's doing it. You, can't, it's, you know, people can kind of justify it to themselves because other people are doing it. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like everybody enables each other. Yeah, I don't think um, – I think uh, there's a, certainly an issue and there's certainly a discussion to be had. And especially in, in, for testosterone replacement therapy, that's a big one. That to me is a big one because that one – for a lot of folks that don't know, like young fighters in their early 30s even, and even some guys younger than that, uh, take testosterone, which is really kind of crazy. Like mm -hmm. your, your body should be producing testosterone in healthy quality, quantities like deep, deep into your 30s. It starts to drop off when you start hitting 40. If you're like... But very slowly. Yeah, These but very really small slowly. numbers. Yes, and if you're if you're fit and if you're you're eating healthy and if you know you're, you're sleeping right, you should be okay. Mm -hmm. So when you find guys that are like thirty and they're taking testosterone replacement therapy, you go, yeah. okay, what are you doing? Because what you're doing right now is you're putting testosterone into your body that doesn't exist. So does it not exist because you've been hit too many times? which we both know is also a real possibility. In fact, uh, this guy, Dr. Mark Gordon, who worked with uh, James Tony, he's done a lot of work on that. 
showing how traumatic brain uh, injury to both soldiers and, and people who do extreme sports, mm-hmm. the traumatic brain injury has a, a significant impact yeah. on your, your body's ability to produce testosterone. So I could knock the t- testosterone out, out of somebody. <laughs> well, well, I, I mean, don't like think... Like a little girl. Joe Sonnen's picking that line up. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, not, it's not a situation where it happens in one, one night. It's a situation where you're beating yourself up. You know, if... I've never fought an MMA fight, but I've watched you guys train, and you know I, I see the the amount of hours that it takes in a day to do a, a real proper six week camp. Mm. And for folks who don't know, it's insane. It's insane. It's it's fucking madness. Yeah, it is. And I think some guys think the only way they can get through that is with some help. Yeah. Because if you don't get through that, then what are you going to do when you get in there with a guy like GSP when you know he has gone through that? You're like, well, fuck, you know, you're, you're doomed. You, mm. You're going to keep up with him for a little bit, but eventually he's going to steamroll you. Yeah. There's yeah. just no getting around it. If you don't do what everybody else is doing, how can you compete? Unless I dress like an alien. With GSP. Oh, with GSP. <laughs> GSP has a thing about aliens. Yeah. He's terrified of aliens. Yeah, I wonder if he hates fighting dudes with alien wear in their trunk. I know. <laughs> what if it was no, just alien wear the whole time? <laughs> just, just a big marketing yeah. scam. He's, he's getting hired by Alien wear sponsors a lot of fighters. You know, maybe GSP has a deal. I, I then think... They can't have them wear that thing on their pant. <laughs> they wear that thing to scare me. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> have you rewatched that? Rewatch it. It's so it's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. He's awesome. I love, I love that guy. He's awesome. That was a beautiful interview, man. It really was. He's a guy who uh, he's he's like uh, kept his humility better than any champion mm. I've ever seen. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. I, I've been up to Montreal a couple of times to work with him, and uh, I, well, the first time I went up there, I, I didn't know how they were going to receive me, you know, because right. obviously, you know, I, I did say a few things about right. a few people <laughs> in his camp during the during the preparation, and uh, not you know. the fake tan on the <laughs> line was fucking outstanding. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, so I, I they asked me to go up for a week to spar with him, and I thought they were just going to take me and just kind of beat me up a little bit right. and throw me out. And but I was up for it anyway. It was going to be an experience. And when I got there, everyone was really cool. I felt you know. Oh, I was that's like, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was really cool. And that, GSP is by far the most humble and deserving champion I've ever met. Weird, right? Yeah, he's yeah. like there's no no one like him when it yeah, comes to no, like MMA not. champions. No. He's like such a he's a sweet guy, mm-hmm. like real nice to people. Yeah. And he handles it really well, yeah. his, his lifestyle, because obviously it's, he gets a lot of attention all yeah. the time, and it's exhausting. And he still, no matter how much attention he has, he's still the same guy. He's mm. not, he doesn't f- fall into it. Yeah. You know, that's, a, that's a real issue with folks. They yeah. f- fall into that. You know? yeah. They get caught up. It was kind of funny going up there the first time, because I still had a mohawk the first time. And we, like, he goes out like most nights. He like, loves to be out in clubs and stuff. He doesn't drink and you know, any of that. But um, obviously, you can imagine how much attention he gets in Montreal. And, right. So he's walking through the club, and everybody like looks over and like <coughs> staring at him. And then they notice me behind him, and they're like, they look at confusion <laughs> on their face. They're like, like we got hoodwinked. <laughs> These motherfuckers like each other. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, man. That's funny. Yeah, you know, it all trickled down from the top. That Faraz hobby guy. Yeah. That's a smart dude. He is. He That's is. a very, very smart dude. Yeah. Very clever. And uh, the way he runs his, his show is no bullshit, you yeah. know? And John Danaher as well. Fuck yeah. What, people, people don't talk about this guy enough. You're right. You're like, right. In the hotel that I was staying at, my room was opposite his. So, like, he was the last person I'd see before, like, before, like, heading to bed at night. And 
we stood and had long conversations in the corridor. The guy's fascinating and yeah. really, really strange. Really, really strange. Yeah. Really, really fascinating. Yeah. Um, I went to we went to dinner with him. Me, him, and Eddie Bravo, uh, like a Denny's or some shit like that. Amazing. And uh, we just broke down the universe together. <laughs> John Donaher is a beast, man. He's amazing. He's so, so fucking smart. Yeah. Yeah, and that's actually how I went. That's how I wound up doing uh, Taekwondo with George. Okay. And teaching him how to throw the turning side kick correctly. Mm -hmm. It's from John Donaher. Like, Donaher was asking me if I knew any high level Taekwondo guys that can teach George the proper mechanics of the spinning back kick. Okay. And I felt like such an asshole saying, like, yeah, I, I can show you how to do it, right? <laughs> you know, it sounds like such a Hollywood douche move. Like, yeah. oh, yeah, you know, you're going to teach George fucking St. Pierre how yeah. to throw a kick. But to his credit, he actually listened to me. Mm. Like, I couldn't believe he tried it, you yeah. know? Because yeah. I wouldn't have listened to me. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, bitch, all right. I'll go watch you kick a bag, you fucking <laughs> fruitcake. Fucking actor weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> but George was, like, super, like, humble and, and, and eager to learn. Mm -hmm. He's a, a really unusual dude. Yeah. It's, it's weird how many different like t like the way people perceive like MMA fighters or even jujitsu athletes or kickboxers the way people perceive like people who compete in combat sports and the way they really are is so different. Mm. Like my favorite people, some of my favorite people of all time that I've ever met have been fighters because there's something about the the, the type of character that you need to have to yeah. be able to test yourself in such an extreme environment. Like, that's a rare quality. Mm. It's a very rare quality. And there's some people mis mistake it with being a barbaric thing because they, they think that somehow or another we should not be violent because violence is bad. And even though it's a competition and they both agree to do it and they can be respectful, it still seems like it's anti-societal. Yeah. But they don't understand. They, do, there's, they just haven't experienced anything like really intense themselves yeah. and, and known that there's only one way to develop like real character and have confidence in that real character. Yeah. You've got to put yourself in fire. Yeah. And, and that's, why, that's why a lot of MMA fighters are, are, are interesting people. Because, yeah. I mean, you know, after a certain amount of time of being in the gym and being so focused on yourself, you, you become very self-aware. Yeah. And, and then, you know, usually from that comes a lot of self-confidence and, and, you know, just being very comfortable in in different environments which usually means you stand out because you you know you you, you kind of put that out there when you when you walk into a room um and you're not worried about physical confrontation well, anymore no. so you but you also down. don't feel like you have anything to prove exactly either. and that's the real issue with a lot yeah. of guys is the need to prove dominance mm. the need to prove but guys who have had martial arts backgrounds they don't have that need they, no. they can chill they can mm. relax they're way easier to be around yeah like i've never seen shit start up between like Maybe Brazilian dudes have. Maybe some Brazilian dudes have jumped each other. Yeah, I was watching <laughs> a video the other day with like, and Vandalay Silva was in. It was two guys <laughs> fighting in the dressing room. In, like, yeah, like, Vandalay Silva and Ch Charles Crazy Horse Bryant. No, no, no. It was it was two other guys and like Vandalay was cornering one of them. Oh yeah, that was Cristiano Marcelo yeah, and in a and, triangle. Yeah, he got yeah. him in a triangle and put him to sleep. And that was, but it was Charles Crazy Horse Bryant and Crazy Horse actually got up. The legend is and and sucker punched Vandalay and knocked him out cold. <laughs> and it was right before Vandalay was supposed to fight Ricardo Arona. Yeah. And Vandalay literally got knocked out, got woke up, and that sent out to this is if you're gonna believe Charles Crazy Horse Bryant, which. Uh, I wonder if he's telling the truth, man, because Crazy Horse was nuts. Yeah, he was. And he could knock a motherfucker out. Yeah. He had a serious punch. 
Crazy Horse could punch fucking hard. Yeah. Enough to easily knock on a 185 pounder if he sucker punched him. Did you ever see that fight where he tore that stuffed bear apart in the corner? Yeah. <laughs> Well, he would get to the top of the cage and do backflips yeah, off the yeah. top of the cage. He was like the first yeah. dude doing that. Or like sit on the top, sit on the uh, yeah. the corner post. Yeah, like just jump up and sit up there during the fight. Yeah, he would sucker punch guys like in the middle of a round, just wham, and that and, and just knock them out cold with like a punch that you, you don't think should yeah. land. Head full of gold teeth. Yeah, and and a, <laughs> and a balaclava when he's doing his interviews for Pride. Remember that? Remember when he was fighting Mishima and he was calling him Mishimash? <laughs> yeah, he black, just, just his eyes showing and gold teeth. Yeah, and he, he who was the fighter that while the uh, the referee is reading the instructions, he's like mugging to the camera with his big giant smile <laughs> of gold teeth. He was he was another character right out of a fucking movie. Yeah, yeah, he was constantly yeah. getting arrested. Constantly, going, I I hung out with that dude. Me and him and Eddie Bravo hung out with him and his girlfriend. We watched some fights together. Um, it was when uh, K One did an event in I think it was K One did an event in Hollywood in uh, in some soccer stadium, some outdoor stadium. And just by chance, we sat right next to each other. I had a great time with that dude. That dude was hilarious. Yeah. We were just laughing at everything. He was he's he's a wild motherfucker. Yeah. It's kind of cool sometimes when you get get exposed to one of those people just for a few hours. Like yeah. I, I had a car journey to, like from Hollywood to Temecula and back with Mayhem. Yeah, and it was like one of the most high speed scariest rides I've ever been on. Like, he's, like, sitting in the driver's seat with a shirt with, like, guns all over it and a big chain with a gun on it, sunglasses on. And he's just, like, speeding. And every now and then he's, he's like, police track thing will beep and he'll, like, hit the brakes and, like, <laughs> swerving in and out and talking 100 miles an hour. Like, and it's, like, two hours from here, isn't it? So I have four hours of that as well as a training session in the middle. I was exhausted by the time I got home. <laughs> You're lucky to be alive. I needed, like, three days. I hung, out with, I hung out with Clay Guida one weekend in Chicago, and uh, he took me to my show. He insisted on taking me to my show. So it was uh, me and him and Eddie Bravo, and uh, Clay Guida was driving. <laughs> Clay Guida drives like, like he fights. He drives exactly like he fights. Like just sitting there, just yeah. going, whoa! <laughs> like I, I trust him. I think he knows what he's doing. Oh, Sam Tripoli! I just got back in, from uh, driving with him. In, oh uh, no! At San Francisco. You let Sam he, drive? He is the scariest man. He's just like sideswiping cars while texting and talking on the phone. Oh, and, like, you let him text and, and drive? Oh, no. he, he, he was just out of control. It was so funny, man. I was scared out of my mind. That, that's, that's fucking bad, man. I know. And I gave him my car to drive up to San Francisco. I'm, I was like, I didn't know how bad it was and then when i was up there i was like oh shit he has to drive home and i was like oh please tony just please drive most of the time and oh that's <laughs> hilarious so they drove your car up yeah and oh, back wow god damn that's a long ride how much is a southwest flight it's like a hundred bucks you cheap fucks uh, no it was like i had to i spent like 500 dollars round trip for for going up there for some reason i don't know if it was because of that sick Cinco de Mayo or whatever. Or, Probably, or right. What, they, they jack up rates yeah. when shit like that goes And on. Southwest doesn't go direct to uh, San Francisco. They don't? No. Isn't that really? weird? Yeah. That's crazy. They go. I know they go to San Jose. Yeah. That's not far from San Francisco. You could do San Jose and then you drive for like... 30 minutes. Well, I was going to do Oakland, but you to you have to take that stupid thing underneath the ocean. <gasps> don't I was do like, that. Don't do that. you already don't do that. scared me enough to never do that. The BART? <laughs> the bar have you ever done the BART in San yeah. Francisco? I, we were filming Fear Factor in Oakland, and I ate a pot cookie or something in my hotel room because I was hanging out with the crew, and they were really cool guys. But, you know, I, I, was, I was like, I have this cookie, 
And let me just it'll probably make it more interesting to hang out with these people. So <laughs> I take this uh, – it's not an insult. They were – but they were straight is my point. Like I couldn't say, hey, who wants some pot cookies? They'd be like, oh, not me. Oh, no, no, no. You're not going to get me to eat that. What are you, crazy? I don't think so, pal. Oh, you meant straight late. They don't straight. do drugs. Yeah, they don't I fuck around. I you pissed because they were straight. No, yeah. I was like, well, I couldn't have gay sex with them. Let's go eat this cookie. No, they were, you know, they were straight, straight arrows. Like you could offer them a drink. Yeah, I'll have a margarita. You know, they get yeah, crazy. Yeah. I'll have a margarita. But if you're like, who wants to eat some hash? Fucking get the fuck away from me. <laughs> so I ate this pot cookie and I get on this Bart thing, man, and I am flying. I just totally overmodulated. Sometimes you just, you don't know what the fuck you're eating. You just eat one and it just puts you, it puts you in almost like in another dimension. It's like you, your face is under a waterfall. Like yeah. you're like about to peer through the other side. You just can't quite get there. Like that high. And my ears are ringing. I'm like... Are popping. I'm like, why are my ears popping? And they go, because we're 500 feet underwater. <laughs> oh, fuck. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? I would have never said yes to this. <laughs> if you asked me, do you want to go in a fucking tube that's under the ocean in a place where the ground moves, I would have said, fuck you. I don't want to do that. Yeah. Why are we doing that? That's like playing musical chairs. You know, I, I can catch a train from my apartment in Nottingham. I, I found this out the other day. I've been telling everybody. I can catch a train from my apartment in Nottingham to Saigon. What? Right? How is that possible? Exactly. The problem is, the only part of the journey I would struggle with is the channel tunnel between... Oh, Jesus, you know? Dan Hardy. Like, apparently, apparently one train has to stop while the other one goes past no, because the pressure would just like... <laughs> no! Fuck that. They go under the ocean? Under the ocean. Get the fuck out of here with that shit. That is a movie waiting to happen. Yeah. Oh, movie. they will tell your story for many, many years in the future. <laughs> Get the fuck yeah. out of here, That's man. It's like a Titanic kind of movie, isn't it? Fuck that movie. That movie sucks. You do not want to be in that movie. No. You don't want no. to be dude in Hint, tunnel. Into concrete under seawater. Just seeing no. the rocks tumbling towards <laughs> you. Enormous rocks with walls of water behind them pushing them. Rocks that are thousands of pounds. Yeah. And it's a matter of 10, 15 seconds before they hit you. And you're and so minute you in that circumstance as well. You're so insignificant. Yeah, you don't matter, bitch. You are a footnote in history, and that's a wrap, son! Yeah. Clean her up! You're clear, Mr. Hardy. <laughs> Thank you for playing this life. Yeah, that's why I didn't go to that airport. Yeah. <laughs> Good move, son. Good move. Now that you put it that way. Can, we, can, I, can, I, can I bring up that funny thing that I saw? No. <laughs> no, no, no. No, 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 no. No, because I'll get mad. It's unfortunately. It's so funny. Um, Dan Hardy, you uh, you recently went to the jungle. I did. In the jungle. You recently uh, had an experience in the spirit world. I did. A that few. sounds. Doesn't that sound like a ridiculous thing to say? It does. You sound like one of those bead wearing, <laughs> fucking Birkenstock wearing <laughs> assholes. Like if you say yeah. something like that, like yeah. hey, I went to Spirit World. Oh yeah, did you? Yeah. You fuck. Hey, and I do yoga like five times a week now. I'm really not helping my cause at all. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Are you? I've got, in, I've got the beads. Yeah, you got the beads. Yeah. There's like a certain th thing to it. It's like it sucks when someone's faking that thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. But it's, oh, I'll just burn some white sage, and yeah, you know, it'll be better. It's like you know, I, I, you can see those people from a mile away. Though oh, I know a guy. I, I know a guy who's like that. Preys on older women. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's got this uh, older woman. She's uh, quite a bit older than him and less attractive than him, but he's young and fairly useless and like this fake guru type character. <laughs> and, you know, there's a documentary. I can't remember what it's called. It's on Netflix, and it's a guy who 
He oh, goes out to. Have you seen it? Yes. Goes out to no, India. No, no, I haven't seen it, but I've, I've heard You've of it. Got to watch it. He What's makes it a fake religion, a, fa- a fake guru. Yeah. Yeah. He becomes a fake guru. Let's let's see documentary on fake guru. Uh, Netflix just pulled the, the the plug on like two thousand live movies. They just did they really? Yeah, Why? Because they lost contracts with I think it was uh, Warner Brothers or something. Oh, but like no. South Park's gone. Like a lot oh, of shit was no. go- is gone from it right now. Uh, Kumar is the that's movie. It. Yeah. A true film about a false prophet. Yeah. <laughs> it's worth a watch. It's kind of interesting. It's, kind it's, of interesting. it's, f- it's fucked how easy it is to trick people. That's yeah. unfortunate. You know, it, it, people want... But you know why I think? This is why I think. is because it's an insanely rare quality to be truly enlightened or even truly on the path of enlightenment. Mm. A true path of enlightenment. A, 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 with true focus and you know and and on a path for a, a real a, the pure sake of trying to figure out what this life is and mm. figure out how to live this life better there's so few people really really doing that yeah. that to even like attempt to do it is so douchish it, it's intimidating to think for yourself though i think that's where a lot of people fall you know it's it's scary to think for yourself so they want somebody else to do it for them it is but it's also we don't like people proclaiming that there's something more grand than the rest of us some people we don't like people proclaiming that they're on the path to figuring out where you're screaming in your car at a red light and you can't balance your checkbook and you know you know what i mean this people don't want to believe that there's a guy who really does do yoga every day and really does like find his center and it's made him a more joyous person sad that that is what i hear from you a lot of you talking about you buddy that's what I hear. A lot of you being impressed with yourself. A lot of you fucking annoying with your flip flops. And that that's what happens. Yeah. It's like those so many of those guys. There's so many but it's I had this Dr. Amit Goswami in here once, the theoretical physicist guy. Genius guy. And he was saying that sometimes people have to fake things in order to, to really truly make them happen. Like, like I let people, he's like, I let people use the word quantum when I know they don't really know what it means. <laughs> but he's like, but if this guy like has interest in like faking it, like maybe it would lead to a real interest in trying to understand quantum science. Maybe. And I was like, wow, that's a fucking interesting way to look at it. It's like, so I go, so like false gurus and play, he goes, so let them fake it. <laughs> Which I guess. Nice, yeah. I guess, but you know, then they start, you know, fucking everybody's wives and well, yeah, yeah, killing all the male babies. <laughs> you know, it always goes south, always, and it's always a man running is shit. Is there been a woman run cult ever? Can you tell me that? There's uh, a fucking just that alone is is great evidence that women are way less dangerous than men. Yeah. They, they, they have less of a desire to control their, their environment. Yeah, even if you have a shitty woman boss, yeah. she ain't no cult leader. No. Oprah's no. the closest no. woman cult leader. Yeah. She's the yeah. closest to a woman cult leader. Yeah, she is. Because she kind of is, yeah, she's kind of running a cult. Mm. She's running a cult of happiness amongst women over 35. <laughs> Chardonnay cult. <laughs> the Chardonnay cult. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's, that's that's her, her shit. I guess she could run a cult. You know, but like, there's not a lot of women who could pull that off and run a cult. Think about it. Imagine what the world looks like from her perspective. From Oprah's perspective, 
It's got to be insanity. First of all, how many women have ever achieved that before? How many? It's not like you're a man. If you're a man and you're like a media mogul, it's like, oh, look, another one. Another Richard Branson. Another this. Mm. Another that. Another that guy. This guy. There's always a new guy. There's always some new guy who's a big loud mouth who's on TV all the time and makes a lot of money. There's always that guy. Yeah. Well, how many of those girls... How many girls have just had all these women screaming and cheering whenever they see her? She gives away cars and shit. Yeah. Saves people in Africa. How many girls? What is it? Is there one other one ever? Angelina Jolie is kind of like yeah. rocking it yeah. in some sort of weird way. But she doesn't have like a talk show. No. Where she's talking every no. day. She's That's like, like an control. actress. That's like yeah. control. That's like you, you can give people instructions and they'll follow it. Go and buy this and millions of women will go out and buy it. That's scary power. Yeah, Oprah power is weird power. Mm. This, it's very she, rare that a human achieves that. But but she can't. She she has to have sacrificed like real relationships with people. Like you can't have a real connection with anybody, or you can't develop new connections when you get to that kind of that kind think? of status. I don't think so. I wonder. How did you, you know? ever let anybody in? I don't know. Well, the only reason you wouldn't is if you think that you're better than other people because you're successful. Mm. The, the 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 issue of running into people that want to take advantage of you, you're going to have that no matter what. You know, you would hope that your filter is good enough that you'd be able to. But when it gets to the stage ones. where you can't go anywhere without someone recognizing that you're like like everybody knows who you are. Yeah, you fucked up, son. You took it too deep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Should have backed off, Elvis. Maybe yeah. you would have stayed alive yeah. longer. Never go full retard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's something that happens to people when they get that. Cuckoo famous, yeah. you know they get that over yeah. the top. Like Justin Bieber's, Justin Bieber's. Oh, he's gone. Yeah. This young man's gone. The he young to, man. He tried to take a, a, a monkey to Germany the other day. Yeah, like, like, what the fuck is that? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, that's what you do when you're fucking <laughs> 17 years old and you and he, fucked and he, a million girls <laughs> a day for the past year, <laughs> and you look like you're four. Yeah, and he thought know? they were being unreasonable because they wanted to take his monkey off. They him. are unreasonable. He's Justin motherfucking Bieber. <laughs> Justin Bieber, he could go to a restaurant and like put his hands up and say hello, everybody, and they would start cheering, mm. they would start clapping. Yeah, twerping. Justin Bieber's here. <laughs> swag. They would go, oh my god, he just said swag. What's but that? But that's his thing. He says swag all the time. How do you know that? I know a lot. Of <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second. We've Rewind. talked about it on the podcast, you fucking stoner. Swag? Yes. Just, you don't pay attention to things I, I don't say. Pay you block me out like, a, like, a, like, a, like an old marriage. <laughs> you block me out like we're married. <laughs> beaver swag. He, um, yeah, he's. Um, I know a dude who uh, has uh, done work for uh, Mr. Beaver. So he's a very nice guy. Hmm. I met his he's a nice dad. kid. Yeah, I met his dad too. I yeah. met him and his dad at a UFC fight. Really? Met him like very briefly. We had headphones on. They they shook our hands. Hi, hi, how you doing? And then the fight was going on. But uh, no one could ask anyone to be able to handle that situation any better than that kid's doing. He's doing way better than I would do. <laughs> <laughs> could you imagine what fucking damage you would have done yeah. if you were that famous at seventeen? That must be ridiculous. Yeah, I did enough damage at seventeen, and I was nobody. <laughs> Just what kind of life is that? That's a that guy lives. He there's only one person on the planet that lives like that. That's him. Like who's he gonna compare notes with? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> who's gonna understand his life? Like the end, like Britney Spears was was that kind of level at one point. You know. Yes. Then yeah. Look what happened to her? She went crazy. She yeah. blew a fuse. Yeah. I'm kind and, of excited for Justin Bieber to to lose his mind as well. I mean, it's coming. <laughs> but 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 it's just how is it gonna happen? You know? Is he gonna start yeah. buying like wild animals and fill his house with them or? It's money in you the know. bank. I used to do a joke about before Macaulay Culkin went crazy. I used to do a joke yeah. about 
oh, who's money in the bank? It's like, he, this ain't going to turn out well. This nah. is you. You're not always going to be that guy. You're going to be like a man someday. Like, yeah. that's going to be weird. Like, you, you, became, uh, you, you became unbelievably famous while mm. you were a child. Yeah. How could you possibly handle that? Hanging out with Michael Jackson. Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know, there was a guy who got arrested. He was like uh, one of those famous uh, Hollywood uh, like investigative guys, like a strong arm investigator. And uh, he had done some work with Michael Jackson. And the war, what he says is that he wanted to uh, check in and make sure that all the molestation allegations were were incorrect. And he said he wouldn't work with Michael Jackson because he did something worse than molest them. What what that means, you know, I couldn't even imagine what the fuck that means. But well, that that it was, was enough. Spin on things. <laughs> it was enough that he wouldn't he wouldn't work with the guy. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know if that's true. I mean, he's in jail. The guy who did it is in jail, and he did a lot of nefarious, semi illegal type shit. He did a lot of strong arm shit, you know. But it seems like he had a little bit of a code, and it seems like uh, whatever mm. Michael Jackson was doing. According to him, at least. That's scary, man. Wow. We were right. talking about Cleveland. We were talking about what happened in Cleveland yeah. uh, before the show That's started. Insane, yeah, these, these guys, these three brothers, had kidnapped these three girls and kept them locked up for 10 years. So they each got one? <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know what they did. I don't, I don't know the, the full details of the story. But uh, the guy who, uh, who saved them is this black dude. He, uh, he said that something happened, and I think he heard some screaming. And, like, he kicked down a door. Was he robbing the place? Or? No. no. <laughs> oh, he was just trying to back. save them. He's trying to save them. Oh. Racist little fuck. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, I know what you're doing. You're trying to keep black people from coming to your shows ever. I, heard, I know what you're doing. I heard, I, um, I heard some noises. Oh, I mean, I was breaking into the place. <laughs> no, the, and he, say, he, um, he said it was a really interesting thing. you got to see the interview. The guy's really entertaining. The guy who saved him. Pull, yeah. pull up the interview because it's pretty fascinating. And then, don't worry, folks, we're still going to talk about the spirit world. I know we got off subject, but this ain't, you know, this ain't the Conan O'Brien show, bitch. It doesn't, doesn't <laughs> oh, all you go streamlined. Are you, are you getting requests? No, I know people want to hear oh, about okay. that, though. I know they do. I can't listen to requests, like, while the show's going on. Too many people would just write fucked up shit to try to get my attention. <laughs> Ramsey. What's that? This one? His name's James Ramsey. Is that his name? Uh, yeah, James Ramsey. Yeah, the, or Charles uh, Ramsey. Charles Ramsey. Charles Ramsey. <clears throat> guy's a bad motherfucker. He saved those girls. They were in there for ten years. These guys were holding them captive for ten years. Like, what the fuck happens to people that allows them to do something like that? I don't know. I don't know. Like, it's, it's what is their view of the world? Like, how how do they see their own actions? How did they get to be that thing? Yeah. How did they? That's the real question. What, who did something to them? They must, have, they must have peace with it in some way. Ten years. <sighs> oh, Ten years is a long time to have second thoughts, you know. Just... Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't think... I think they were just... That was... They owned them. That they were going to keep it that way. Yeah. But how do you come to the conclusion that that's okay? I don't know. I don't know. I couldn't imagine. I, I, I have this conversation with, with the people about Michael Vick. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. always kind of vocal about that and that situation with the dog fighting. And here's, stuff. here's the dude. Here's the dude. Huh. Pause it for a second because I want to. I want to hear what you say. Have to say about this because yeah, I, I that disturbs the shit out of me too. The it, the Michael Vick thing. Was... Yeah, I mean it's like I, I went. I was up in uh, 
uh, Utah a couple of weeks ago for the the Victory Dogs reunion, which is basically the the dogs that were were saved. I think they took fifty eight. <sighs> uh, some of them were euthanized because they were too bad, um, but most of them were taken to a place called the Best Friends Animal Sanctuary, and uh, some of them will, will stay there for the rest of their lives because they can't be with other dogs, and you know, right? Uh, like they the can't grand, like, yeah, like the yeah. grand champions and stuff yeah, that you had, yeah. all scarred up and stuff. But a lot of them yeah. got uh, got adopted. And all the families stay quite close, and they, you know, they bring the dogs together so they can socialize. But, wow. you know, like some of these dogs have got chemical burns on their back. There's one little dog that walks sideways because it was thrown against a wall as a puppy. Like, like how how do you get to the stage where you think that that's an all right thing to do? Like, yeah. that's that's not you, you don't get better from that. That's not something that, that and now he's got another dog. Like, he showed up in a pet smart the other day with like this. It's like some kind of military dog. He should not be allowed. Yeah. How is he if there's anything right dogs? with the world, that dog's going to go for his throat at some point. How is he allowed to have dogs? Yeah, it's ridiculous. After all the dogs he killed. But you don't, you don't heal from something like that. That's something that, that's just something that's that's who you are. Well, <clears throat> I, don't, if, I don't think he can change. Just, what is the story? He killed a bunch of them, right? And yeah. How did he kill them? Yeah. Like uh, Throwing them on them. the floor, electrocuting them, hanging them. Yeah, he did like torturous shit. Yeah, he he had a bad reputation in the dog fighting community. Oh my I mean, god. Like fifty-eight dogs he had. Oh my god! Yeah, he had a bad reputation in the dog fighting yeah. community. You I, know you're a cunt when the dog fighting world is like, man, <laughs> you need to settle yeah. the fuck down. Yeah. You're being mean. Yeah, that's some. That's a, that's a whole new level of mean. Holy shit! I, I have a I have a friend who adopted one of his dogs, um, oh. and this little dog, when you take it into a room, it will go and sit in the corner and shake. Oh god! And it, it just it, you, you can't go near it without it just shaking uncontrollably. And that was, uh, I think they call them bait dogs, oh, where basically oh, they put a muzzle God. on the dog and use it as like a confidence builder for the yeah. the, the fighting oh. dogs that are successful. Oh, God. So it didn't... But this guy's had a dog that they yeah, bullied. Yeah. Oh, my God. But this guy's got another dog now, and he's back playing football, and everyone's cool because he's, he's an athlete, and, oh, you know, that's not, that's not a normal human being. That's not, you know... I, I, I agree. It's and not a regular calculation to make. Well, it's also, it's... When do you forgive... There's certain things that we don't forgive, right? Mm. I mean, we don't forgive child molesting. No one forgives that. When when a person wants to rape kids, like, you're off the menu for civilization, pretty much universally. Yeah. But when you, when you look at what some people are, are willing to accept, when it, it's clearly, that's there's like a sociopathic characteristic to that there's there's a, a cruelty characteristic but can a guy learn from that we know we we don't they can't learn from child rape they can't there's the recidivism rate is way too high whatever it is it's way too sick mm. the danger that they pose is way too great it's yeah. like there's too much at stake yeah but the idea is like a guy that used to treat dogs like they're shit and kill them should we give that guy a second chance but the thing is, I don't think he can change his opinion on his actions. All I can, all I think he can do is realize that other people don't find it acceptable. Well, yeah, there's that, but there's also that he, um, his culture, like he grew up, like when he, from the time he was a little boy, like they had dog fights. Mm. Like there's a lot of people in this world today that still engage in like really regular dog fights. Yeah. And if you are unlucky enough to be born in that environment, when do you make your own moral distinction? Yeah. Like, when do you realize that this is a terrible thing? But, but even so, there's dog fighting and dog fighting. I mean, right. you know, like if you read uh, Sam Sheridan's book, A Fighter's Heart, yes. there's a bit about dog fighting in there. And it's, I mean, I don't agree with it, but it's a very, very different perspective. Uh -huh. You know, they care for the dogs, they look after them, they buy them the best food and 
you know, really take care of them, and, and the dogs fight for for honor. It's, you know, it's, right. Which it, I mean, it's still a kind of an unusual perspective, but but the stuff that Vic was doing was just evil, evil, which, yeah. which is a whole new level entirely. And that's the kind of stuff that that you can't you can't heal from. I don't think that's yeah. that's the person that he is. I met him once, and I didn't know who he was. Yeah. I met him backstage. I'm glad I wouldn't. I don't meet him now because I don't. I don't know as I'd want to be anywhere near him. Uh, I, he just. You know, what did you, how did you feel when you met him? Did I didn't you know who he normal? was. I didn't know who he was, and oh, okay. he's just yeah. <clears throat> when my friend confronted him about what he'd done to the dogs, he said he was hoping for some kind of like aggressive reaction. Like he was gonna, he was hoping that the guy, that the guy was at least gonna have a feeling about it. He said, but when whatever he was telling the guy, whatever he was, he was talking to Michael Vick about, Vick was just like, just, just not, not there, just not present. You know, he just he didn't understand what was going on. Oh, Not a very God. smart guy, just you know. Joe, have you seen Whoa. the have you seen the Charles Ramsey nine one one call? I heard that's just terrifying. Somebody just sent it to me with captions. Yeah, sure, throw it up. What you're about to hear is a nine one one call placed by hero Charles Ramsey after he found Amanda Berry, a woman who had been kidnapped for the past decade. This man saved her life. Five fifty two PM thirty four seconds May six two zero one three Cleveland nine one one police ambulance to fire. Yeah, hey bro, I'm at twenty two oh seven Seymour, West twenty fifth. Hey, check this out. I just came from McDonald's, right? So I'm on my porch eating my little food, right? This broad is trying to break out the fucking house next door to me. So there's a bunch of people on the street right now and shit. So we like, well, what's wrong with you? What's the problem? She like, this motherfucker been kidnapped me and my daughter, and we've been in this bitch. She said her name is Linda Berry or some shit. I don't know who the fuck that is. I just moved over here, bro. Sir, I mean, sir, 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 sir. You know what I mean? Sir, just calm down and slow down. Is she still in the street? Okay, if there's any justice in the world, this guy becomes fucking huger than Kim Kardashian. <laughs> that, that was Jules off Pulp Fiction, I'm sure of it. Yeah. yeah that? This is real. I know. Can you ask her if she's funny about This is a real guy. There I like you that go. Guy. I that like that guy. That guy's a bad motherfucker. You got to get him on the podcast. Fuck yeah, we do. <laughs> we have to make that guy president. Wow, that was amazing. <laughs> That's a real man. So he was breaking into that place, right? Brian, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was coming from McDonald's and there was somebody trying was, to break she's out. She's trying house. to break out of her house. How was, she, man? You, how was she breaking out of the house? Like was she like punching through a, a window? Or I don't what? know. Some she climbed out somehow. Somehow or another, she got out of whatever they had uh, locked her up in. Wow. Crazy shit, man. Ten fucking years and thinking that's going to be the rest of your life, having these guys just fuck you, hold wow. you down and fuck you every night and feed you fucking oatmeal. Oh, some rundown house in Cleveland. You're a sex slave for the rest so, of your so life. So what do you do with those guys? Kill them. You got to kill them. They just got to remove yeah. them from the gene pool. But but don't you think there's something kind of sinister about like laying somebody down on a, on a, on a bed and injecting them to like like 
put them put them down. Yeah, basically. I don't think it's necessary. I think you just dig a hole, shoot them in the head, push them in the hole. Yeah. I really don't think you need to be fucking with all this injection. It's so we, so clinically, it makes it scary. Well, that's what they're trying to do. What they're trying to do is take the uh, the chaos out yeah. of murder. Yeah. They're trying to take all the variables out. This is going to do it nice and easy. A little poison. Here you go. Okay, you're dead. <laughs> Goodbye. Take care. That's Crazy. it. That's a wrap. Instead of just shooting someone. You know, I mean, did you ever see that movie Dead Man Walking? No. Sean Penn's a bad motherfucker. I mean, that, that guy knows how to act his ass off. He's a crazy dude, but he knows how to act his ass off. And he played this guy that was dying. He's going, going in for lethal injection. And the way he played it was so real. Like, you really thought he was going to fucking die. And that's all avoidable, man. Mm -hmm. All that craziness of strapping that guy in and freaking him out and j injecting him so that you can feel better. Yeah. Just shoot him in the fucking head and let's be done with this. Okay? It's real simple. That's a bad person. He's broken. We got to get rid of him. Shoot him. Okay, there we go. Whew. Like they do on The Walking Dead. I think they should yeah. put him in a trough for at like a Skinnerd concert and we all get to like piss on him for like, <laughs> or something, you know, like something cool like that first. That's not cool. <laughs> That's just weird. Yeah, let's piss on him. Something cool. Hey, what do you want to do today? Something cool. Let's piss on each other. <laughs> so, tell me about your journey in the jungle. Okay, where was, what that, was that all start? about? What happened? What 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 caused you to want to do this? I, I don't really know. I don't really know. I just felt I felt like I was drawn to it. Um, I, I was I was speaking to a friend of mine. I won't mention him, but he's another fighter, um, retired now. Uh, and and he did a couple of ceremonies in London, uh, a friend's place. They brought a shaman over and uh, did a couple. And I've always been kind of the guy that if I wanted to to experience something, I would go to the source. You know what I mean? I would like like if I wanted to do kung fu, I go to China. And if I want to wrestle, I come to America. And you know, if I want to try ayahuasca, I go to Peru. It just kind of made sense. So. Um, it, it was kind of like my reward for getting through the, 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 the Dwayne Ludwig camp, because that was obviously, you know, that would have been a, a fifth loss in a row and obviously a, a complete change in career paths. Um, so I just kind of, you know, I, I put 12 weeks aside to dedicate myself to that fight and, you know, with, with that as a, as a reward after, and a couple of days after the fight, I flew out and, uh, spent two weeks there, did a tobacco ceremony on the first day, three Ayahuasca ceremonies and two San Pedro ceremonies. Damn. How is that tobacco Damn. ceremony? Yeah, what is the tobacco <laughs> ceremony? They they basically make a drink of uh, tobacco, coffee, and sugar, and they cook it up, and then you drink a whole load of it, and it's like a purge, like a detox. Like if you've got any kind of toxins in your system, you throw up and you sweat, and some people will cry in, and obviously there's all kinds of other nasty stuff that goes on as well, but. Um, it's, just, it? it's, it's a way of like cleansing your body before the ayahuasca. Is it a theoretical cleansing, or does it actually have a cleansing effect? It's got a cleanse. Fortunately, I'd been in, in training camp for twelve weeks, so I'd been on a clean diet, and I just I just kept my diet clean until I I got to Peru because there's a special uh, diet for for the ayahuasca. Yeah, it's a low uh, acidic diet, right? Yeah, it's, uh, uh, no high salt, alkaline. no sugar, no oils, yeah. uh, no sex, no spices, no oils, no oils. Really? Yeah. Why no oils? I don't know. I don't know. That's I, interesting. Yeah, there there are a lot of things, uh, a lot of things on the list that I'm kind of on the fence about, and it's kind of, it's, it's weird because it, there's not really any kind of science behind it. I mean, there are some things that you you can't have because they react badly with the with with the medicine, but uh, some of the foods are kind of kind of odd. Right. I just kind of go on instinct when I'm when I'm dieting for it. Right. 
Now, so the, the tobacco ceremony, there's no psychoactive effect. No, nothing. No. Just blah, it's just like it's just like smoking three packets of cigarettes and drinking six Starbucks all at the same time. So mixing wow. it all together, that sounds like the future of cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> I want to. Yeah. Do okay, so and I don't drink happened. coffee. I don't drink caffeine or obviously smoke cigarettes. So I'm like, I'm like. <laughs> Sitting in my room, like shaking and sweating. Wow, it was, it was kind of uncomfortable. Wow. Yeah. But once that was over, the next day was was the first ayahuasca ceremony, and I did feel real sharp the next morning. I felt very, uh, very alert. Okay, so the next morning you do the ayahuasca ceremony. Yeah. What's well, that like? Uh, well, you, you don't eat a great deal during the day. Uh, we had a light breakfast, and then uh, you know, like a like a fruit snack around midday, and then after that you fast, and the ceremony starts at eight p.m. Um, so you, the idea is that you go into the ceremony with intentions, the things that you want to, uh, you, questions you want to ask. Um, th there's, there's always this talk about, about, uh, ayahuasca, the spirit of ayahuasca, uh, mother ayahuasca. And some people during their experiences have an interaction with a, a female entity of some point uh, of some sort, but I didn't, <clears throat> but, uh, but the intentions are still very important going into the ceremony with, uh, you know, with questions about myself or my life or whatever really um for me the the, the answers just kind of just kind of manifest they just kind of show up i'm I just kind of all of a sudden get an overwhelming feeling of of, of the right the right answer <laughs> i don't really know how to explain it better than that it's kind of the problem is that i really feel like we've we've not got the language to explain this kind of stuff at the moment we need we need to expand it our vocabulary to to encompass all the you know all the stuff that we we experience in these things yeah there's a lot of people believe that what uh psychedelic states even if they don't believe in that you're really contacting the spirit world what they think you're doing by forcing yourself to to take a hard look at yourself and uh address some questions that you might have one way or another but to do it with this stuff that absol it absolves your ego. Mm. It removes the ego. Mm. And in doing that, it's a rare state that you get to get the fuck away from your ego. But it really lets you get away from it to a point where you can see things so much more clearly. Yeah. And you can realize how much of the ego has just been really been sort of tricking you and mm. deceiving you and and making you believe that you're, you know, you're either something that you're not or you've gone further than you really actually have or your ego has allowed you to sort of delude yourself, mm. to, to get by this very strenuous existence. Mm. And when you t go into a psychedelic state, it allows you to bypass all that and see it. And it doesn't, you know, that, that, that's where, like, people don't understand that you can get to uh, a mild psychedelic state from exercise and yoga. Yeah. You get, I mean, and fasting, yeah, and meditation, and yeah, you can get there just yeah. to in sensory deprivation tanks. You can get to a pretty extreme form with no drugs at all. Mm. But the ayahuasca ceremony is basically known as probably the the grand mall of uh, of the psychedelic experiences, the most yeah. spiritual of the psychedelic experiences. Yeah, it's pretty powerful in comparison to other things I've I've experienced. It's have you ever experienced the the raw form of DMT? Yeah. Only once, though. Was it 5-MeO-DMT or was it NN-DMT? Uh, There's two different kinds. One... Okay. 5-MeO? Yeah. 5-MeO okay. is quite a bit different. Yeah. It's, uh, there's no visuals. It's a, a very intense feeling of connection yeah. uh -huh. and it's very, very potent. In fact, I think it's like supposedly... Obviously, I'm not some sort of a scientist here, but uh, <laughs> supposedly it's even more uh, powerful gram per gram than DMT is. Yeah. But the DMT, the NMDMT, is what you're getting in the ayahuasca. Okay. When you eat it, if you tried to eat DMT, there's a, a stomach uh, chemical produced. Your, your 
your chemical your uh, stomach produces something called monoamine oxidase apparently and uh, that breaks down DMT so with these brilliant people that live in the Amazon have figured out how to do it was mix the vine of one plant with the leaves of another and cook it all together so they they introduced a natural MAO inhibitor that not blow your mind it's insane blows your mind did you ask them how they figured it out no Terrence McKenna did, and he, he said that they always said that the plants told them how yeah. to do it. But, uh, you know, I've always thought about this with diet. Like, oh. like people have been combining, like, incomplete proteins for years, like milk and cereal and rice and beans. Right. And not, not knowing that those, those two things combined made a complete protein. So right. why would they combine them? <laughs> yeah, it's funny, right? You know right? what I mean? It's like, it's, right. not, it's like an odd coincidence. But ayahuasca is like the same thing, but uh, way more extreme. Well, there's yeah. a lot of folks that believe, I shouldn't say a lot of folks, but it's been speculated. I've read I've, uh, read work where people believe that what we've created with civilization and with societies and uh, especially with like modern societies where there's like mass uh, speed communication. It's like people are sending each other text messages and watching television all this, is that we're missing out key information that is there in nature. Mm. And that literally, if you're in a natural state, like if you're living in a natural state and you're away from the, the, the distractions and the madness of the fucking civilized world, that there's literally a signal that you can't quite pick up anymore. And that signal is like a, a guide to get mm. through life. And yeah. that, like the earth literally does talk to you. Is that the collective consciousness, do you think? I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I believe that it ever really was the case, that people were much more sensitive to the language of the earth. I, it is possible. I think it's really hard to even wrap our heads around what it must have been like before there were language. Yeah. And, and all the toxins that we've, that we've produced as well, all the things that we've introduced to our diet and to our bodies. Yeah. You know, like like the dashboard on my truck outside is killing me slowly. You know what I mean? That is it? kind of stuff. Yeah, it's you know they admit they emit all kinds of chemicals and oh. you know like like fluoride as 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 people are now starting to understand. Yeah, fucking fluoride's bad for you. Yeah. How what well, how nutty is that? Yeah, it calcifies your pineal gland. Supposedly, I don't know Supposedly. if there's ever been any real studies. I have a feeling that might be something that someone just said once and hey, everybody just repeats. I can take it out and I don't mind. I don't, you know. Well, it's. I don't think there's necessarily a lot of evidence that it's good for you. Yeah. I, I think uh, people say that there's a connection between putting fluoride in the water and, and removing tooth decay. But it, that also coincided with education about brushing. Mm. I mean, all the, that shit went down when people realized that you have to brush. you know. And then putting fluoride in your teeth brush in your toothpaste apparently that's not so good either mm. even though you don't eat it it's still it's like you're there's a reason why you don't swallow that stuff once yeah. you like like yeah but if it's in the, foam if it, it up if in it's your in mouth the drinking water though yeah. yeah fucking it's crazy yeah but why do we still do it though i don't know some i'm sure there's some grand scheme but that it, but these, send th me a tweet about <laughs> and i'll spend the next four hours festering over it <laughs> what the i think these are things that are potentially like you know like keeping us disconnected from from this whatever we're missing out on this language that we're that we're missing out on from the maybe it's possible but i think that if you were living in the jungle and you needed the you know you needed to survive there it is possible that you would at least have an idea of so. mixing these two things together and cooking them yeah could you imagine if you found out you were right like when you created ayahuasca i mean if the dude just nailed it the first time like yeah, well, let's dude. see what we got here takes a sip yeah 
do 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 He must have been like, God damn, did I knock it out of the park? Yeah. Well, look fuck your vegetable soup. I got some shit that will kick your dick right into the dirt, son. But look at the guy that found the discovered LSD. Yeah, Albert Hoffman. Yeah. yeah. Like completely an accident. accident. Not only that, he like rode home and thought he was going mad. Yeah. Was, was he like cycling home or something? Yeah, yeah it was fucking bicycle. <laughs> First LSD trip ever. <laughs> and then like, and then didn't he go back a couple of days later and take like like five times the amount or something? I don't know. Yeah. Um, I think the initial amount he took was way higher than like a, a normal dose. Okay. It's like a bucket. I think it came in. <laughs> it came in through his fingers. Yeah. I think. Because um, that's the thing about acid, it'll, it'll go right through your skin. Mm. Yeah. Had that happen? That's exciting, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> like, yeah, for the first time, the first dude to figure out ayahuasca, how long ago was that? Yeah. They say it's yeah. at least 2,000 years. Yeah. They say they've, they've, they've shown, like, archaeological evidence of ayahuasca use up to 2,000 years ago. But how, how do you even, I mean, how I can't you know make that? sense of it yeah. now, and I have a, you know, a, a much more... A much better understanding of the universe, you know, as as obviously science knows it. But like back then, when all you know is is the jungle and mm. the plants around you, and how how would you even begin to make sense of that? How would you begin to make sense of that? Yeah, how would you? And then how do you become an expert at, at introducing that to other people, like a shaman? Which I find really fascinating the idea of shamanism. It's very fascinating. Yeah. You know why it's fascinating? Because you've experienced it and you know it's real. It, to yeah. a, a Joe construction worker lunchbox that's listening to this nonsense right now. You know, I like that Joe Rogan podcast, but every now and then they go off the fucking tinfoil hat deep end. And this guy's <laughs> talking about journey into the spirit world and I want to be a shaman. Get the fuck out of here. Tell me a joke, ass face. Okay, that's what you're here for, you fuck. That guy's a black belt under Matt Sarah. <laughs> 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 possibly <laughs> possibly well done yeah the um the, the, the you know it's real yeah you, you've done it you've yeah. experienced it and it's it's not just real it's real in a way where you feel sorry for people who haven't experienced mm. it because if but but at the same time i you know I, when i when i first came back from peru and people were asking me you know is this something that everyone should experience i was saying yes to everybody but now i'm not so sure i i think there are, like i was walking through the Luxor the other day and you know God bless America and all the people that, that were pumping money into those slots and, you know, smoking cigarettes and drinking beers. But they they need a lot of they need to do a lot of self discovery without an altered state before they would be even ready for that. Like if you took them and gave them ayahuasca, it, it would ruin them forever. Maybe. Maybe this you know, maybe I, just seeing them at their worst. Maybe they would say that about you if they caught you beating off. Well maybe. You know, maybe. you're there you're fucking <laughs> your eyes crossed, your tongue out of your mouth. <laughs> and like, yeah, this guy really needs a fucking ayahuasca seminar. <laughs> you need to get your own life together, son. Yeah. You know, they would they would come down on you. But, but it's kind of it's kind of weird because like the people that find their way to it are, are like are already in a place in their life where they're kind of prepared for it, you know. Um, I think that that happens a lot of the time, but I, I'm not completely convinced that happens all the time. I've definitely heard of people having bad experiences or going there when they weren't ready for it. Yeah, I think psychedelic experiences are incredibly powerful, yeah. and to say that people should or shouldn't do it is equally foolish. Because to say that someone should do it, it's like, how the fuck do you know that guy should yeah. do it? What, because you did it and you like it? You know? Yeah, I, I, I'd agree with that. I but, just think, you know, it, it's, it's just, it's a lot to process for someone that's open-minded. Right. So for someone that is buying into the Oprah cult and, you know. 
Oprah's badass, dude. Don't get it wrong. Yeah, Don't get it twisted. I'd like to take Oprah to. <laughs> I'd like to take Oprah to Peru. Can you That's imagine? what we need to do. Yeah, we need to get Oprah and bring her to the jungle. Yeah. I think this is the way forward. I think this is how we move to the next stage of our evolution is we've got to start getting some of these these power people and taking them out there. And I think it's already happening. It just, we haven't heard about it all yet. I hope so. Listen, there's if there really are people, and there really are, that really do have a massive amount of power in this world, and they really do, you don't think that they've wanted to look into that? Like, why would you not want to look in that? If there's anything that could freak you out if you were in the Bilderberger group, <laughs> you <laughs> motherfuckers sitting around doing ayahuasca, yeah, talking yeah. to the the great serpent yeah. as it breaks down your life and the kind of damage that you're doing to society and civilization mm. and how unnecessary it is and how you're still unhappy even though you're doing it, even though you're manipulating the banks, controlling the resources of the world, instigating wars overseas and profiting off of it in some strange fucking shell game that nobody completely understands, you're still not happy, bitch. Mm. And that's what it would tell you. It would be good for everybody. But, but what do you think? What do you think if you got the, the Bilderberg into a into a ceremony? And I think they all need to realize that you don't need that much money, you fuck. Yeah. Crazy. You're going yeah. crazy, asshole. You got caught up in your own game. Isn't you got like, to the like... point where you're controlling the world's economy and you're worth billions. Yeah. What are you doing? You don't need billions. That's stupid, man. That's dumb. You can have a nice house and food and not worry about shit for way less yeah. and never have to worry about a, a single thing for the rest of your life. Like you're in some crazy stratosphere that no one reaches and you're still trying to make more money. Mm. You're still trying to fuck people over. You're a sick fuck. You're sick. Yeah. Because obviously very, very you're broken. That. It's, very it's, it's very stupid, too, yeah. because you could be having a great fucking time every day for the rest of your life. If I had billions of dollars, every day would be fishing. I would fucking go fly kites. I would, I would travel. To, to, today we're going to Hawaii. Who gives a fuck? You've got $100 million in the bank. Like, yeah. you're, and instead, what are you doing? You're trying to fuck over Portugal. You're trying to steal, <laughs> yeah. steal oil out of the Amazon. What, yeah, what are you trying to do? What are you trying to do? You're, yeah. you're fucking cunting up the world. Yeah. It's not necessary, but they don't know any better because they're caught up. Just like those same people at the casino. Those, those people are caught up, too. They're caught up in like a hitch in the human mind that allows you to, to try to solve puzzles and, mm. and seek conclusions. And you go, ching, ching, and you just hijack that shit with three lemons. Come on, you fuck. I can find the three lemons. They're in there. And then your brain gets locked in this stupid thing. And then the cigarettes, you're sucking on these cigarettes that these same people are extracting millions of dollars from the society by mm. feeding people these poisonous fucking weed-filled tubes yeah. that you light on fire. And you poison yourself. And nice when they get slow. sick, they give them the drugs to fix it. Yeah, lots of play. I got plenty of shit to fix. You know, basically, we're going to knock cancer out of the box in the next couple of years. You don't <laughs> have to worry about it, Mr. Johnson. Just keep fucking smoking away. <laughs> it's a, it's a, we live in a, a mad world. We, yeah, live, yeah. we live in a world that should be a movie, and nowhere is that more readily available or honest than when you have a psychedelic experience. Because when you see what mushrooms can do, or you can see what DMT could do, and whether it's an ayahuasca or a regular form, mm. you, you see, realize like what there really is like a magic in the world, there is. and it sounds so stupid that if you haven't experienced it, you really would. And even people, even people who have experienced it, they don't want to describe it that way because they don't want to sound stupid to people who haven't experienced it. So they'll go, "Look, it's nothing magic. Your your cerebral cortex gets flooded with chemicals. Your the visual aspect of your interpretation of the world around you gets hate, hijacked by these uh, new chemicals, and it just fucking give." Maybe, maybe. 
Or maybe you haven't done it yet. Yeah. And if you have done it, maybe you're just cynical. Maybe you're missing out on what the fuck that is. That's some magic fairy dust, bitch. You get to go to a fairy land. <laughs> but I, I do find that I can't speak as openly with people that haven't had that experience anymore. No, so, because you know, you're bit, crazy. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I, say, I say energy a lot more than I used to. <laughs> I say powerful a lot. Do you? Yeah. Good. Yeah. It's a good thing to say. I have a lot of power days now. Do you? Like, like sometimes I'll get to the end of the day and I'll be like, yep, that was a power day. Like I'll be out in the Valley of Fire and, you know, swimming in Lake Mead and stuff. And it's like, yep, what's your, was a power day. What's your kale count per day? <laughs> oh, it's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but thinking that way, like being powerful and, and thinking positively, that really does change your fucking life. It does. And people don't understand that. Like, it is silly. Yeah, it definitely seems silly. It's, it's, if you're a, a serious person who's a conservative man who's not, not to be mocked and laughed at, you wouldn't engage in such, such behaviors. But life itself is silly. The whole thing is silly. The whole thing is completely ridiculous. You know? So if you did not, you know, to be worried about looking stupid by trying that out. Yeah. I'm, it's the whole, the whole, my whole perspective of life changed though. I, I quite like the temporariness of it now. Do you? Yeah, because because this, the space that I, I always experience, you know, with the ayahuasca and you know, other psychedelics like you know DMT or psilocybin, I always feel like like the place I reach when I've had the right kind of amount is is a very familiar, safe place. Mm-hmm. I feel yeah. like I've been there hundreds of times before it's like oh i'm back yeah isn't that the weirdest thing about it it's really odd the weirdest thing about it is how it feels so comfortable and so so normal it feels so familiar yeah i think i think woman described it in the the dmt but the spirit molecule book uh dr rick strassman she said um it feels like a waiting room between death and birth wow which i thought was kind of an interesting perspective wow i remember my nice my latest psychedelic trip that it, it was like just like that where i'm like i've been here before why can't i remember this i right. like it seems like i do that a lot like go to the same place so many times yeah well it could uh, well, just be a part of your brain you know it could but it's it's so close to normal human neurochemistry the most profound ones they're all they're so close to normal shit your brain produces mm. like mushrooms Mushrooms and DMT are like very closely combined. They're very closely related chemically. Yeah. And DMT is produced by your brain. So all of those experiences are just, they know exactly where to hit mm-hmm. in your mind to produce this stuff. Yeah. I can't think that that's a coincidence. I can't no, think that that's an accident. No. I, I like uh, I like Terence McKenna's theory on, on the introduction of psilocybin into the human diet. You yeah. know, when we became, uh, you know, from the canopy dwelling fruit eaters to the plain dwelling kind of forages um i don't know if that holds up scientifically as but far as nice, the timeline nice though, right? but <laughs> no i've never heard anyone say anything more plausible no there's no real serious I mean, it was explanation a jump forward it was yeah. a huge leap in consciousness a doubling of the human brain size over a period of two million years yeah and apparently that's the greatest mystery in the entire fossil record i've always wanted to to have a, a real light dose of mushrooms and fight like a gram or a gram and a half and, and fight. I, and fight, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I know people who play pool with it, and they really? say they can't miss. They say they know where the ball is at all times. They feel it moving on the table in three-dimensional space. Wow. Yeah, guys used to play pool on uh, small amounts of acid, too, and, like, have the best game of their life. Why pool, though? 
I mean, what because a waste, pool of, what is, a waste uh, of LSD. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I guess you'd want to be doing something creative, but if you were a serious pool player, like, that's apparently the way to get really awesome. Who's a serious it. pool player? Me. I, I play a really? lot of pool, yeah, for real. That, but, uh, He's a dick. But like, as a, not, not as a job, though. Like, you don't do it like. I, I would. would I, you I would play professionally. Sure. What about golf, though? I mean, no, no. Golf is. First of all, golf, you're out there walking around the rain. That's retarded. And uh, second of all, you're chasing a ball around. Pool, it's all on this one table. The, the environment is exactly the same every time. You're not dealing with holes and rolls. And I bet I would love golf, but I'm terrified of trying it and finding out because that I love so it. it's so predictable. So much work. <laughs> you're out there eight hours a day chasing a fucking ball. Yeah. When, when you play 18 holes, like that's several hours worth of playing. It's eight hours but, of drinking, though, Joe. That's but, it. But would that's you enjoy it. it more with LSD? Bill Murray did in Caddyshack. Did you really? Wasn't that his thing? I don't take, know. Wasn't it? He would take acid and play golf. It's been so long. I know that people have done it, yeah. yeah. It gives you um, uh, more sensitivity, apparently, mm-hmm. more uh, spatial recognition, yeah. more uh, understanding of distance. Depth perception. Yeah, yeah and the, depth perception. And apparently, in a way, that really you'd never, you'd never see this field. Right. Maybe of, that's Anderson Silva's secret. <laughs> He's on acid every time he fights. <laughs> that makes perfect right. sense. Yeah, could you imagine if he, well, you, no steroids, but you tested positive for mushrooms, you yeah. fuck. Like, Jesus, yeah. what are you doing? Yeah. Fighting on mushrooms? There should be a separate belt for that entirely. Well, there was a, a baseball player, a famous baseball player, who pitched a, a no-hitter while he was on acid. Really? Yeah, who is that? Do you know who it is? Hold on. I'll pull it up. No-hitter on acid. It was on, during the 70s. And uh, apparently what happened was he wasn't supposed to be pitching. Doc Ellis. He wasn't supposed to be pitching that day, so he decided to get lit up, <laughs> took some acid, and then like something happened. They Brilliant. called him in, and he had to go play. And he said he was just flying high, and he pitched a no-hitter. <laughs> See, I'd have loved to have lived through those days of sport. Instead of these now, these are too regulated, you know? Yeah. Like, let's go back to those, those like 1960s and 70s. Those were crazy days, yeah. but you can't go back. No, they're going to be looking back at this day, thinking how crazy we were yeah, yeah. as well. It's, yeah. I often think of all the things that are going to we're going to look back on. Even when I'm old, I'm going to look back and be like, "Wow, we actually did that." Like, like I remember smoke, like people smoking on planes. Yes, I remember that. That's crazy. Yes, like, it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> like it, even like I live in Vegas now. I walk into the casinos, and I'm like, "Oh, there's smoke, smoke everywhere." It's, it's like two years ago that people uh, stopped smoking in the UK. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. I've immediately made the adjustment though. So like in in like thirty or forty years time, like when I'm on a plane, and we're like, you know, I can't even imagine what it would be like. But we're gonna look back at sort of like Delta and be like, hell no, I can't believe I ever did that. Yeah, I lost my bags. I was, <laughs> I was I was stuck between two fat guys sweating on me. You know that the definitely yeah. Well, there's gonna be one day I'm sure there's gonna be a better version of that. But yeah. the the smoking in the sky is the most ridiculous one. Yeah. Or when like nurses and dentists could like smoke while they're actually working. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know, like, those old nineteen like, fifties <laughs> movies and shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, everyone smoked. I was watching uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers the other day, the, the old version. Okay. Fucking doctor sitting there lighting up in the middle of a doctor's appointment. <laughs> You're definitely talking too much about cigarettes today. I'm freaking out. Yeah, <laughs> he's junky. Uh, he's hooked. But yeah, the um, do you think that? I mean, it sounds like a crazy thing to say, but do you think that I'm open the to the future? Things. I'm sure you are. Man, <laughs> right? Do you think that the future of the world, like, I th- do you think that it really depends on how many people have psychedelic experiences? Yeah. Like, that we need to tip the numbers in that direction 
yeah. in order for to get uh, just a, a large percentage of people that are at least willing to question the way the whole thing is built. Yeah. At least willing to question the way they're living their own lives. At least willing to question what it is we're doing here. Mm. What are we doing exactly? Moving on momentum every day. Yeah. Getting well, up and your alarm clock goes off. What the fuck are we doing? <laughs> but we're running on, like Terence McKenna would say, an operating system. And the one that we're running on is prehistoric. You know, yeah. everyone's trying to control each other. Everyone's jealous of what everybody else has got. And we really need to get past that and realize that I don't need to be jealous of what anybody else has got because I'm I'm good with what I've got, you know. And yeah. just, just kind of, I don't know, p people are not finding peace. So they surround themselves with things that they think make them happy. We haven't been aware for very long. No. I think that's a real problem. I think that the human race is in the middle of waking up and trying to figure out what the fuck it did to get here and what it can do moving forward. And right now we're still operating on what it did to get here. We're still operating on the ripples of the effects of everything that's gone on in the past. And so when you say something like that, like, yeah, I mean, people need to do psychedelics, they just immediately dismiss you. Like, you're all, mm -hmm. oh, this crazy fuck, like, listen to him. Yeah, people need to do drugs. Yeah, that's what they need to do, Dan Hardy. They need to but, do drugs. <laughs> but the thing, the thing is, I don't, think, I don't think the focus should be, well, it has to be psychedelics. It's just, it's just about people becoming more conscious, making conscious decisions. And, you know, even when it comes to, like, diet and, and exercise practice and... and uh, you know, just just your approach to people and to relationships, to, the, to how you, you you deal with people, right? Um, your impact on the world, and you know, and, and as soon as more people start thinking about that, then we're going to start moving forward. But I think psychedelics is just kind of a shortcut, like you know, it, it just kind of upgrades you a little bit quicker. Yeah, you see things a little clearer. Like like before before my first my first ayahuasca experience, I, I always felt like I was in amongst my issues, like they were surrounding me, and I couldn't really see clearly. I couldn't get the pieces in order to put them together right. And as soon as that first ceremony was over, I felt like I could step back and look at all the pieces in front of me and like piece things together, almost like everything's a game. You know, and I think, uh, you, was it uh, Tom Campbell you were talking to a while ago? There's a video of you and him on, on YouTube talking, um, and he's, he's talking about the idea of... Uh, Tom of, Campbell? Yeah, Thomas Campbell. Sure that's his the name. soup guy? <laughs> I'm sure that's his name. Like a and what was it about? What were we talking about? Um, you know, j just the idea, it's like like the Matrix, like it's a video game. Like I, I oh, I, I see. I think they combined us. Oh, okay, okay. In, in something. Yeah, that's a good yeah. video. Anyway, that's a very interesting. Oh video. yeah, yeah, that's what it is. Um, it's um that that there's there's a lot of people that do these brilliant just kind videos. of edit them together. Yeah, they do them yeah. on their own. Okay. No one no one tells them to do it. They just do it. And yeah. there's so many of them out there, man. It's incredible. But like I, I kind of like my approach to life now is 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 almost like a video game. Like, like I'm constantly trying to level up. Mm -hmm. I'm constantly trying to get to the next next stage to to try and like f like forced evolution almost. Right. You know, and I think that like I, I, we were talking about this the other day, um, <laughs> swimming in the in the lake, smoking weed, um, just kind of hanging out, and all of a sudden it all kind of fell into place for me. Like, th there are certain people that that make an effort to 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 reach reach a higher consciousness. So, so imagine them as like as like bubbles on the table. Imagine the table's full of bubbles, and one of those people starts to drift off a little quicker, and that is going to create a reaction of the people around it, and then they're going to pull up. And occasionally, you're going to get like a Jim Morrison or a Hendrix or a Martin Luther King, and they just kind of go and just pop and explode. But they cause such a such a ripple that they start to raise everybody else's consciousness. So I think everybody has a responsibility to raise their own, mm. and and by doing that, we're gonna we're gonna affect the people around us. That's such a hippie term. It is. Raise your consciousness. It is. 
It's like, it sounds I am, like I am what, a filthy hippie now. <laughs> <laughs> but it sounds like what a dude would pro- say if he's trying to fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> Tell you know, I'm just trying to raise your consciousness. Just think if you and I made love, maybe it'd bring us closer. Wow, that does sound like me. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Dan Hardy, I know, I know your tricks, son. <laughs> um, but what you what you're saying though, I agree with entirely. Even though it sounds like dirty hippie talk, what, what you're saying is that we have to kind of realize that the only way to really in, enjoy this life is you got to not just bring yourself up, but bring up the people around you. Yeah. And as they rise up, it'll rise you up as well. And that we really yeah. all, all connected. And it's your ego that keeps you from seeing that mm. it's your ego from trying to separate yourself from all these people that are yeah. around you and thinking that you're on your own, but you're not on your own. No yeah. one's on their own. No. And like, and I struggle to come to terms with some things like the way like Michael Vick treats animals yeah. or like there's, there's a documentary I tweeted a while ago on YouTube and I apologize for anybody that watched it because it's the most awful thing I've ever seen. It's called Earthlings mm-hmm. and it's just a video of, of, of the different ways that humans use and treat animals. And I got to like 26 minutes and I had to stop watching it. It was so difficult. And I always struggle with coming to terms with why that happens. Why is that there? And and my conclusion is that is that because it, it causes me to have a reaction, to have a feeling about it. So everybody that sees it, everybody that witnesses that, will immediately form an opinion and that defines them a little further to themselves. We, like we, we have to ask these questions about how do we feel about that? That mm-hmm. makes me feel uncomfortable. I don't think that that's necessary and I don't want to watch that. Well, it, it also, know? the reason why that exists, the reason why those things can happen is that people are willing to overlook normal human morals and values in favor of profits. Yeah. And when, as soon as you're the, the numbers, the one and the zero become the almighty, then you're fucked yeah. because then you're caught up in the wave of ones and zeros yourself. You can become just as disposable as anybody else. I mean, you should just, th- that alone should get people recognize that hum- humanely, if you want to like get through this life humanely, like you cannot only look at the ones and zeros because no. that's everything that's fucked up about the world whether it's uh, war whether it's uh, manipulation of the markets yeah. whether it's controlling a natural all of it is about ones and zeros yeah. 100% yeah and and the people that have that have built this this society around us this operating system that we function under of of they've kind of they've kind of corralled us into a position where we don't have to make these these decisions we don't have to ask these questions about you know it d- does the hummer that i drive drink far too much fuel and am i having too much impact on my environment around me am i an asshole for driving it you know what i mean it's that kind of people don't need to ask and you questions. say this as a man who loves classic cars you know and, it, and it's a love-hate relationship i have i have my pontiac sitting in the garage and i drive it probably once a month and i've been talking about it about selling it for a while and i you're gonna get a prius dan harney <laughs> you better not get a prius <laughs> son of a bitch I, I can't i can't do a prius Don't but the thing is it. the thing that doesn't make Those any sense shelby gt500s the new ones pretty yeah. fucking good on gas really turns out a big powerful engine that's not working very hard is pretty efficient but the thing is the technology is like there <laughs> yeah just get the dancing the bears around your belly button that's what <laughs> But it, but it's like like in the UK I had a I had a Kia sponsorship for a while in the UK and they would give me a new car every time I went back to drive and oh, it was like what a, a thrill <laughs> but it, but but seriously though like it was a one point six diesel it got like sixty miles to the gallon 
So, mm-hmm. so why is that technology not making it over to the U.S.? Because it's boring as fuck to drive. It's, like it, it's there's no not. soul. You can't what, listen to Leonard Skinner music <laughs> where you're driving around in a Kia Diesel. So, so the options are Prius Sweet that gets 42 home, miles to go. <laughs> Doesn't sound right. You want to hear the engine. I you know what I'm saying? Boom. You want to you want to be able to shift your own gear, son. All these things that are dying off. Yeah. I'd bemoan that. But but then on, on the flip side, you know, should I drive a car that drinks so much fuel so eventually we can we can get through this quicker and then the people that have control of the fuel will lose their power <laughs> and then we can start thinking ahead, you know, like and then we need hemp like it's, diesel it's, it's, to run our muscle cars. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's a finite resource, so maybe we should just get through it as quickly as possible. Yeah, it is a finite resource apparently, but I don't understand how that works. I don't understand how much oil's left. It's, you know, the problem with one of those controversial subjects like peak oil is when you hear those guys talk, you don't know who the fuck is right. <laughs> you know, this guy's saying but, that there's a. I read a book called Black Gold Stranglehold that was claiming that oil is a uh, re- repeatedly made, repeatedly made um, uh, fluid, and that really? wells that have gone dry, if you give them enough time, they start producing oil again. The thing is, though, the only people that know the real facts are the people that are in control anyway. So why would they tell us the truth? Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, the idea that anybody could own the oil. I mean, that's ridiculous. Yeah. That's the whole earth, you fuck. But, but, you can't but, just but, but I fly over there in your metal boxes, Genghis Khan. But I say this about, like, like Red Rock Canyon. Like, I'll go out there hiking, and I'll get there at, like, you know, 4.50, and the park closes at 5. It's Why? a mountain. How does it close? Yeah. You, can't, you, can't, <laughs> you, know, you know what that's from? They're, they don't, they're tired of picking people's pieces up <laughs> and having people there say, listen, you fucks, you can't, you can't be out here because it's dangerous and too many of you dummies get drunk and fall off cliffs and die. That's I think, why. I think those dummies should get drunk and fall off cliffs and die. I think that's the way of thinning the herd without us actually going out and, and shooting people. I'm with you, son. <laughs> you know, there was, a, uh, there was a woman who recently died like this, this week in France, and she fell from like 900 feet off the top of a cliff. And by the time they got down to her, the vultures had already eaten her. Oh. Well, that saved carrying her back. Yes, <laughs> that's one way to look at it. But like, let's let's just take all of like you know all like the safety precautions that mm-hmm. we have, like fences around like moving parts and right. you know like sort of like crossings. Mm-hmm. If you can't make it across the street without getting hit by a car, another thing as well, and I have a lot of people that disagreed with me when I spoke about this on Twitter. Mm. Fifteen mile an hour zones around schools. Like if 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 all the time when I, when I was a kid, I grew up around cars moving at fifteen miles an hour. Why would I ever take them seriously as a threat? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like like we need respect so for true. these things because these things are fucking dangerous. Well, fuck yeah, that's totally true. So we need to we need to learn to be careful about it. But you know? it's all about education. Yes, I agree with you. But to play devil's advocate, there's too many dumb cunts out there that need a sign that gives them an unreasonable speed limit. It's just they slow the fuck down when they're around schools. Like our friends that we're talking about speeding and texting. You can't have a 60 mile an hour speed limit in front of a school with that asshole driving. Okay, because yeah. someone's little kid's going flying over the hood. But, but then, I wouldn't want it to be little Dan Hardy. Well, no, it, and it's an awful thing, but the 15 miles that, an hour is smart because kids also are stupid and they tend to jump into traffic and they, you know, Oh, my lost my piece of paper. Shit, man. <laughs> I need to fucking pass this class. And they run out into the street and boom. You got to be I, able to I, hit that brake. You fuck. Hey, I, man. I don't, fuck I don't, you. <laughs> fuck you, old man. <laughs> but I don't ever remember anybody getting hit by a car outside of school when I was a kid. And, and we, oh. had, we had a 45 mile, 40 mile an hour zone outside of my school. I'm sure someone I did see a hit. woman get hit by a truck, though. Ooh, Jesus. She had, she had her groceries on the, on the handlebar. Oh, my and, God. Yeah. How bad was that? Bad. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, yeah bad. Oof. <laughs> fucking A, man. 
I don't, I don't want to see that. But I have. That's the problem with the internet. I've seen everything. Yeah. At this point, you've seen so much. Have, have you watched the video of the monk setting himself on fire from? Yes. I, I spent a day watching that over and over again. The one from Vietnam. Yeah. Yeah. How do you, how do you, how do you prepare yourself for he that? He didn't even fucking move. No. He, he never like, he never panicked. No. He, he stayed in the lotus position until his body just Do you think, do you think he'd taken something to numb it? Nope. I do not believe so. So that's the powerful. Just, that's I mean, if you're going to light yourself meditation. on fire, what fucking difference does it make how you're doing well, it? Just yeah. light yourself on fire, dude. It's going to get kind of warm into it. Did you see the uh, the bear eat the monkey? No. In in Hong Kong or ta- Taiwan, maybe? I forget. Somewhere in Singapore? I'm just making shit up now. I don't know <laughs> where the fuck it happened. Some, in some uh, Asian country, there was a, uh, a carnival show where a bear was on a bicycle. See, we pull it up, Jamie. There's a bear on a bicycle of course. and a monkey on a bicycle, and they're going around this ring, and this is it. Pull it way up into the, the like the half of it into it before the, the bear loses his shit. Yeah, <laughs> right before there. So the monkey crap, pull it back, pull it back, pull it back, pull it back, pull it back. The monkey uh, crashes a bike, and the bear crashes into the monkey's bike when it's on the ground and just decides to eat the monkey. He's like, you know what? Fuck you. So watch this. <laughs> Boom. The monkey crashes. The bear crashes on him. It's like, you know what? I think I'm just going to eat you. And just fucking mauls that monkey. And they're all grabbing him and pulling the monkey away. And look at this. That monkey's fucksville, son. That bear is just going off on that monkey. It's like, you stupid bitch. You dropped your fucking bike. That's it. I've been thinking about eating you for months. <laughs> I bet his instincts were when something goes down in front of you, you just start eating it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think that's like bear 101, right? <laughs> if you're a bear and some shit trips in front of you like that, you just start eating. Like, you got why, a gift from the gods. Yeah. How could yeah. he not do that? Why would you not? Yeah. You don't train bears, stupid. You think <laughs> you train bears. You train them for a little bit. We got him to ride a bike. And while he's riding that bike, he's going, I want to eat that monkey. <laughs> God damn, I want to eat that monkey. <laughs> Not many times you can use that sentence. Yeah, unless you're Joey Diaz. I think you use it all day. <laughs> Eat that monkey, cocksucker. Um, so you had all these experiences. Did it make you look at fighting any differently? Yeah, yeah. Um, this is going to sound kind of odd because I carried on fighting after the, the experience, but I kind of saw the futility in it, the pointlessness in it, mm-hmm. you know? Right. I mean... There's a British comedy that uh, that kind of captures it really well. They do like a parody of a like a, a soccer commercial, and they're like you know talking about Manchester United and Arsenal, and and they'll they'll win and they'll see who wins now, and then next year it'll carry on just the same, and there'll be more guys that win, and you know what I mean? It's the right. same thing. Like I could be the champion for ten years, but once that eleventh year comes, there's going to be somebody else that's a champion, and it will just continue on forever. And and it's 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 the it's it's the the absolute core of of, of the capitalist approach to life is to actually beat someone down to take food out of their mouth which is really kind of odd and i've never seen it like that before normally it's like yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna beat the hell out of that guy i'm gonna take what he's got but now i, I i'm kind of i like the i like the i like the the competition i like the the actual uh physical test of fighting but not for the same reasons not not to like to be more successful than you know to can you conti- <clears throat> can you continue with the same passion, having different ideas of what's important about fighting? Yeah, because well, there's, there's one thing that I, that I was 
really starting to focus on, uh, you know, with the Emir fight since I went to Peru with the Emir fight and uh, and going into the Brown fight as well. And and this is the reason why I would I would at least like the option to to carry on fighting. You know, I would like to be able to get cleared so I can, you know, I don't think I'll go back to fighting, you know, three times a year and chasing the belt because my focus is elsewhere now. Um, Where's your focus? Well, th- th- there's a space that you get to when. Uh, do you read much Carl Sagan? You read the dra- I have. Dragons of Eden. No, I have about the tree and brain, and and the. I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to like understand the distinction between the different areas of the brain, the reptilian brain, which is obviously responsible for all the uh, the, the the aggressiveness, the the instinctual stuff, um, uh, the, the the fighting and killing and and all that kind of. That's the reptilian brain, the the political side of us, basically. Um, and then after that, then you've got like the old mammalian brain, which is um, where we start to make kind of like basic connections with people and understand that if we work as a group, we can, you know, we can survive better. And then the next level up is is obviously a higher consciousness is is having deeper understanding, deeper relationships and communications with people around you. But there's a point when, when you fight where where the reptilian brain takes over. And I usually feel it after I've been cracked a couple of times, like when I was fighting Ludwig in uh, at, at the MGM. I was very conscious for the first, you know, 30 or 30 seconds or so of the fight. And then as I stepped in, you, you remember he cracked me with that right hand right on the chin and I rushed him up against the fence. And immediately I switched over to, to instinct and it's, it's like being a passenger. It's like I'm not, I, I have no conscious uh, decision-making ability in that, in that time. It's all instinct. I'm not, I'm not focused at all on, on what he's doing. I'm just reading. I'm just feeling and 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 I, I want it, I want to find if I can get I want to see if I can get to that place for a longer period of time. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. with the Amir fight, I felt like I would slip in and out of it. Like like the first round, it was it was so overwhelming because it was hometown. You know, my name was being shouted like by you know eight thousand people or something. And 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 you know, I live next to the arena, so it occurred to me that if I lost, that would be on my mind every time I looked out of my, my window. So the first round, I, I lost it. I mean, I just, I just kind of moved around and backed up. And when I sat down in my corner after the first round, I apologized to my team. I said, I'm sorry, I just had to get that out of the way. But then the second and third round, I felt like I could reach that, that stage sometime where I just kind of allow my body to take over and, and just switch off and, and effectively just watch. Do you think that's what Anderson's doing? I think he's, that's, that's exactly what he's doing, yeah. But I don't know as he's, as he's aware of, of himself doing it. Do you know what I mean? He's I, just so good. That's how he I locks just, I just, in. Yeah, I yeah. just think I just think when the fight starts, he immediately switches over. But you you can see it in people's eyes. Like Vandalay's a great example. If you watch one of Vandalay's highlight reels where it's got a few of his stare downs, he immediately switches to reptile mode as soon as he's fighting. <laughs> That's a great way of putting it with him too. <laughs> it, it's it's true, but you know, and, and like Manhoff is another one. Yeah, those guys that have just that have just got that like instinctual rage. It yeah. just kind of comes on. But and and this is why, like you know, I've I've always kind of heard the term. You know, you. You maintain twenty. You maintain twenty percent of the things that you learn in the gym in the actual fight. You know, when adrenaline and, and and the actual fight is 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 occurring, you only kind of maintain like keep about twenty percent of what you've learned in the gym. So, the idea is being in the gym, you train yourself to the point where it does become instinct, and then when the fight happens, you just switch to reptile mode, and reptile mode uses the skills that you learn to to get the job done more efficiently. Do you think that becoming uh, more aware or reaching a, a higher state of consciousness because of your experiences will actually help you because it'll abandon a lot of the distractions that you present yourself almost unknowingly? Yeah, well, 
it helps me it helps me in training and and particularly in, when i'm running now because i used to listen to like pantera and and yeah like vision of disorder when i was running and I, i'd work myself into like a rage so i would yeah. run to exhaustion that was kind of how i trained and i trained all the way through my career like that and the last couple of fights i've switched it up i've been listening to a lot more like by, more like binaural beat type of stuff when i'm running so i could get into more like a meditative uh, stage you know oh, and wow. doing, doing a lot of yoga as well and trying to find the same thing where you just you you you're, you're within yourself and you're not focusing on anything else so your body's almost like on autopilot yeah that you the music that you listen to when you train can have a profound effect on it how can. you approach your training yeah it really can it's so important and that's why i've always been so vocal about all the stuff i listen to like i'd have like training camp playlists so i'd tweet every day songs i was listening to and that kind of thing it is important. And, and, and the, the other thing as well, like earlier on in my career, I would use music to anchor feelings. So like, like uh, when I fought Ludwig, I used a song called Iron by Woodkid, which was the first time I'd switched it up from England Belongs to Me for like, you know, a, a bunch of fights. Um, so like for the 12 weeks of that fight, like I was training with Frank Mir. We were going up to, Red, up to Mount Charleston and out into Red Rock and like doing hill running and stuff. And we had some real tough sessions. I mean, you know, we really put ourselves through it for that training camp. And as soon as I got back in my truck after the, se after the session, if I felt like it was a good session, it was productive and I felt positive, I would put that song on. And I so I would constantly connect those feelings to that, that song. So then when, when I'm walking out and that song comes on, immediately I get that feeling again. Huh. You know? And it's just like, you know, just like when you listen to a song and you think of a person. Like, oh, I, I heard that song right. when I was with yeah. that person. And you, meet, you make that connection immediately. But you can also train yourself to do it. And yeah, that's, that's why I use, like I listen to Cypress Hill now, and it will take me back to fighting in Cage Warriors, like you know, back in two thousand six. Wow! And I have songs all the way through, like that, that I now I, I don't listen to because it'll like my first two fights. I came out to Pantera, dragged the waters. By the time I got to the cage, I was so wound up and so angry that I was just I'd run out of gas immediately. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And and now whenever I listen to those songs, I get that feeling of like exhaustion, like oh. Yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. People have like sex songs yeah. that remind them of sex, songs that remind you of disappointment, songs that remind <laughs> you of ex Why did you connect sex to disappointment? <laughs> well, <laughs> it's just standard, isn't it? Isn't that how it goes? Most of the time we're just sex songs like something crazy from the spin doctor. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what's, uh, what's next from here? If you, your focus has moved slightly off of uh, fighting and you still are interested in fighting and you're still interested in seeing what sort of state you can achieve inside the the octagon what else are you going to do with your time well i'm I've, I've been having a lot of ideas um a lot of uh i've had a few ceremonies recently with various things and i've 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 got a, a quite a clear direction of where i want to go um i would like i want to get cleared to fight i would like to be able to fight again um even if it's just you know once a year once every 18 months or something just and, and just have a fight with, like, someone that's going to be a fun fight where I can kind of test some of these theories and see where I'm at physically. Right. Um, but I'm going to start, I'm going to start uh, a, a video blogging my training sessions because uh, I do all kinds of stuff. I do a lot of, a lot of Bikram yoga, a lot of hot yoga, um, trail running, kettlebell sessions. Uh, and then, then I, I want to be able to go into the gym and work on specific things. Like, like last night I went into uh, 10th Planet Van Nuys and just kind of, had a roll around with those guys and I enjoyed it because because there was it was very very playful there was no like agenda I had no agenda because I was just I was in the moment you're just learning in the exactly. moment exactly and then and obviously when you've got a training camp everything's always like I, I always felt like I was wishing my life away 
Yeah. Because I'm constantly waiting for a date that's five, six weeks ahead. So I, I'm never in the moment. I'm always right. in in the moment, you know, that's, <laughs> that's, that's to come. George was talking about how much he enjoys uh, training in between fights mm. because then he just like, he just will go box for like six weeks or yeah. eight weeks, just only boxing, concentrate only on that. And then he'll do jujitsu in New York. Yeah. He'll go there with Donaher and train with him for six weeks. Yeah. You know, See, I, so whatever I just, he wants. I, I just want to do that. I'm, I'm yeah. going to take a trip out to um at southeast asia and and do a little tour of thailand and are you going to become a shaman dan hardy i don't know i feel like you are on that path i'm I'm moving in an interesting direction but i I want to i want to start kind of kind of uh promoting a a, a, and more of an alternative lifestyle of what i'm doing what with my diet and and my you know teacher plants medicines and uh and and my approach to training and and health you know Mm -hmm. i I, i'm really really focused on getting strong and flexible right now that's my main focus through you know kettlebells and body weight exercises and and lots of stretching um and and I'm just kind of interested to see where this journey's going to go it, my 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 goal is is to basically get paid to be myself that's that's, <laughs> that's what I want to do you know and to improve yourself yeah so it's so yourself exactly so and and you know kind of you know I have I have I have sponsors right now that are supportive obviously you know what with Zions and Fear the Fighter and and Venom and you know, I want them to to continue to support me, and and while I'm on this quest and and doing all this kind of interesting stuff, so I figured if I put a video blog out there for people to watch, it's you know it gives them a that's a great idea, a bit more of a connection. Wolf Cam, I think I'm going to call it. Wolf yeah, Cam. it's called the Wolf Cam. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, so that's uh, pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> so so I think I think that's what I'm going to do. Um, I, I have some other ideas as well. Um, I have a I have a few people to speak to about some some business ideas that I have. Again, all within the same. If it's illegal, don't duration. admit it on this podcast. It's most definitely not illegal. Okay, good. Um, At least not in Peru. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, uh, like you know, try and help promote a, a, a more clean and conscious lifestyle. So, what is your diet now? I'm predominantly vegan now. Oh, you um, son of a bitch! <laughs> I you thought went, we'd get into this. I heard this coming. You times. went dark on me, you son of a bitch. Um, I, I, I'm not. I, I'm not. Uh, I'm not giving it a name because it's not not really got a name. I'm just kind of my approach to animal products. Are I will I will have animal products occasionally if if I know that it's from a source that I'm I'm comfortable with. Mm-hmm. You know, like hunted meat or free range chicken exactly. or something like that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I will eat fish all day long because fish don't even take care of their babies. <laughs> that's that. That's, that's my logic yeah. on fish. But, but anybody but, who doesn't eat fish is crazy. But what about from you. a selfish point of view? If it, you know, if you you don't know where the fish is from, like if you went out to a restaurant and it was just farm raised is not good. A lot yeah. of farm raised stuff is not good um, because, first of all, a lot of times they're exposed to higher levels of mercury, apparently, yeah. or higher levels of uh, toxins. Because if you're in like these tanks of water or farms of uh, all fish just shit on each other, and it's just. It's not a healthy. It doesn't taste as good. No. It, I mean, it ta- I mean, it's better than not eating it. I mean, it's not that bad. But I think that it's been proven that uh, that like when you see like red, deep red salmon, and then you see like the salmon that you get, like this farm raised salmon where they have to dye it pink. It's been proven that that wild stuff tastes better. Mm. There's something better about it. Yeah. It's probably better for you. I don't know if it's better for you, but it's probably better for yeah. you. You know. I, I tweeted something the other day. I was in a store in uh, uh, Boise, Idaho. And uh, it was a, it was a photograph of um, the ingredients of a bottle of soda, and one of the ingredients was artificial wild cherries. <laughs> 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 the 
That's hilarious. So, Welcome to America. Monsanto probably owns the patent on artificial <laughs> yeah, wild so, so we were talking about this, and, and I got into the, my theory of, uh, of, of stoner language, the st- like stoner understandings of the world, like <laughs> things, that, things that you see if you smoke weed that other people that smoke weed don't. Okay. And that's that kind of thing. Artificial wild cherries. Wow. I tweeted it. You tweeted Twitter. that? Yeah. Um, that's hilarious. It like, is really funny. Like people that, people that don't uh, use plants in various ways... Um, don't see these things. They don't. They don't pick up on these things. Sometimes artificial they do. wild cherries. People can. I, you know, I'm not a. I'm not a hundred percent proponent of uh, all be- people using marijuana because I know some people can't. Well, yeah, I know they can't. And but, I, but you know, when you hear yeah. somebody say something like that, you're like, yeah, that yeah. guy's a stoner. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's there's certain things that people say where you automatically know this guy gets high. But I, I have I friends that seem like they get high and they don't get high. Like Stanhope. Doug Stanhope totally seems like he would get high, but he doesn't get high. He doesn't like it. He says it makes him feel paranoid. He doesn't like it at all. So maybe some people are just naturally inclined to be like that. I couldn't tell. You know, I feel like it's obvious when you look at terrible people that the, someone's brain works different than your mm. brain or my brain. Yeah. It, when you see, like, a guy like Gandhi, for sure his brain worked different than my brain. There's just no doubt about it. He also had his own path, and he also had his own intentions in his own life. But I just can't imagine that his interpretation of life was the same as my interpretation of life. And if that's the case, how the fuck do I know what pot does to you? Mm. How the fuck would I know? I, you know, I know people can't smoke it. They smoke it, and then they'll wake up three days later with their mm. pants off in the jungle. You know, they're like, I don't know. Sounds like a good weekend. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Unless one of those wandering spiders gets you and hey, gives you a hard on until you die. I spent two weeks walking around the jungle in my underwear. How dare you, sir? <laughs> Did you get nervous? Uh, no. At all? Nothing biting you? No, nothing. Did you feel like you had the secret on your side and you were putting I, out the I positive like, vibes? I felt like I was very connected to it all. <laughs> like, like I wasn't going to mess with uh, anything and they weren't going to mess with me. It was, yeah. Did you see jaguars in your eye? I didn't. Trip? I could hear it. No. I, we could, could hear, hear them, them though, yeah. Because the jungle was literally like outside of the... Oh, dude. Uh, wait a minute. So you're on ayahuasca and you hear jaguars? Uh-huh. Jesus! Yeah. What do you hear? Just, you, you could just hear them fighting. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Just come into oh. contact occasionally with each other. And, come yeah. on. Does that make you shit your pants? Not as much as the plane going over. That was really scary. Oh, the little propeller yeah. like, we, we, No, we were on a flight path for uh, Iquitos, which is like the nearest airport, and like at 8.30 every night. So like 30 minutes into the ceremony. Like we were in, we were in it's called the Malocca, the ceremonial building. It was like a big circular wooden building. And it's got net up to like, a, like you know, a, about a meter high and uh sorry a net a meter high off the floor so you're like in the jungle pretty much there's not much separating you and there's all kinds of noises and crazy stuff going on and and it kind of becomes comfortable after a while but the bugs are really loud right yeah they are and the frogs as well but the plane was such an such an alien kind of sound because we only heard it a couple of times a day and the you know the last time we heard it was eight thirty at night just after we'd had a had a you know the dose of ayahuasca and it started to come on. And the next thing I can hear is <laughs> over my head, and I'm and I can feel everybody else's consciousness on that plane. I'm like I know there are like you know like two hundred and fifty people up there, and I'm like feeling all of that kind of energy go over. It was really weird, yeah. and it happened every night, every and, ceremony. And those third world plane flights, them yeah. them's a little different, son. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, was, chickens in the back tied <laughs> down with fucking duct you saw, tape. You saw that plane crash that happened yes. like last week. That freaked me out. Did you see that from Afghanistan? It was a cargo plane, and they think oh, that yeah. the cargo shifted, the load shifted, like it wasn't tied down properly. 
and when that happens, if the load shifts, the plane just immediately, all the weight goes to the front or the back of the plane, and they just nosedive. Wow. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. It's pretty fucked up. We'll end on that for a nice, beautiful, cheery way <laughs> to end. Just to, just to let everybody know that you could, you could defy gravity for short periods of time every now and again. But if you fuck up, and or it fucks up, or there's mechanical failure, or... Jesus Christ, imagine watching that. Wow. <laughs> wow. Imagine Dude. being on that bus driving past it. Oh, my God. That bus almost got hit by a plane that fell from the sky. It's I like, that's, that's like a scene off Final Destination 16 or something. One day when we have <laughs> magnetic UFO-looking things that can't even run into each other because they have magnets on the outside, yeah. so they go like this, and they bounce off each other. We'll look yeah. at someone should get on crashes. That. I think they're probably already on it. You think? Yeah. Well, they always talk about um, when, whenever like serious physicists discuss the possibility of space travel, like interstellar space travel, they um, like Stanton Friedman, like how how could aliens be doing it? One of the things they always concentrate on is some sort of magnetic drive. Hmm. The um, the uh, guy, Doctor Robert Lazar, he's uh, often oh, yeah. criticized gentleman who claimed to work at area 51 yeah but whether or not that guy told the truth i i don't know but uh he described some sort of back engineering that they were doing at area 51 and it was some sort of magnetic drive hmm. the idea is that you know you figure out how to use magnets or something to overcome gravity and to create like a little hole in space and time and just fly around through that Whatever the fuck I even wow. said, Dan Hardy, I don't even understand. I shouldn't, it shouldn't be legal for me to say what I just said because I don't even know what the fuck it means. <laughs> wow. I got really into aliens when I was younger. When I was in my teens, it was like everything was aliens. I, I really hope I get to experience some kind of contact before I die. You Did know? you see this latest disclosure, these five days of uh, disclosure hearings on Capitol Hill? No. Dude. Dude. Crazy shit. All really? these different, yeah, well, you know... The real problem with any sort of UFO thing is that it looks silly. Mm. It looks silly. You saying you saw a UFO makes you a silly person. Yeah. More silly even than ayahuasca. Because at least ayahuasca has a great body of evidence to support what's going on neurochemically. Yeah. But you saying that you saw a UFO, you immediately become a silly person. All these like former military people, all these people that were air traffic controllers, f pilots... All these people report these unbelievably unique experiences. Mm. And I don't know if they're telling the truth or not. But if they were telling the truth, if just one of these things happened every now and again, of course it would seem ridiculous to us on the outside. Mm. The people sitting down here, it's, it's natural to criticize it and make fun of it and laugh at it because it is kind of crazy to think. That, but if just one of those is true. If just one of those are a real craft from another dimension, from another planet you don't think that that's possible, you're silly. If you don't think that within, from here, in every direction, infinite space, what, what does that even mean? We don't even know what the fuck that no, means, right? I can't even comprehend that. There's got to be something out there, there that's I, I think it's ignorant to think that there's not. If we survive, if we little pesky humans figure out how to keep going for another couple million years, who knows what the fuck yeah. we're going to figure out. Yeah. To think like that somebody else can't be out there. And what would we do if someone was out there? We would go check them out. Yeah, of course. course. We'd fuck yeah, we'd check them out. Yeah. we go to the Congo. we go to the Congo, we check out tribes. we check out tribes of fishermen. They're hanging off fucking trees, picking up fish with nets. we go watch them. 
what, what do you think about the theory of of the uh, you know the, the the interaction with our history and how and and how they've helped guide us? It's all speculation. Yeah, it's complete speculation. But, because but, you don't know whether or not you look at an ancient when you look at ancient drawings, you don't know what's fantasy, you don't know what's a story, you don't know what's uh, their version of uh, the fucking the Hobbit. Mm-hmm. You know, they might make up stories. You know, who knows? It could be. Their version of Twilight. That's what when you look at it, <laughs> aliens in the wall. It's their version. Like they told a stupid story to make everybody go to sleep. Yeah. Who knows? We we know that it's art. We we we've seen in in their art these depictions that closely resemble what we would think to be alien spacecrafts or alien beings. But we don't really know what the fuck it is. Yeah. It's not that much evidence. It's a small amount of evidence. There's a few cool videos. You know, they're like, hmm, what is that? I don't know what the fuck that is. I don't even know if it's real. It's hard to tell. But if it happened to you, man, you'd fucking know. Yeah. And that's what you can't discount. You can't discount the possibility of unique experience. But once you've had a, a DMT trip, aliens seem like so passe. <laughs> it's like it's, it's just kind of matter of fact. I, I think and it's kind of like, well, yeah, of course. Well, not only that, it's like to have that experience, like a, a ship lands and they get out. It would be so less bizarre yeah. because it's all taking place right here. You can see it; it's external. What's taking place also in the dimension that we're comfortable with, yeah. where we can walk on the grass and feel the grass, where we step on rocks, we feel the rocks under our shoe. Your car's parked over there. You see the clouds above you, and then everything is basically normal except this new introduced element into your environment that you have to now accept. Mm. Oh, it's a p- fucking little dude from another planet. Holy shit, this really is true. That's nothing compared to a mm. DMT trip. Because a DMT trip, th- the dimension that you exist in becomes of a vibrant, glowing colors with no background yeah. and constantly changing geometric patterns that are they're fractal and they're infinite. That's way crazier than an alien landing. Yeah. But the thing is, like, we're we're in an environment now where, particularly with the internet, we we've effectively seen most things. Like, I remember mm. when I was in China, and I was walking down the street with a friend of mine who was like, you know, two hundred and thirty pound ripped black dude, and these Chinese dudes were just uh, in awe. It, they just they just stood stood and watched him as he walked down the street, like the Green Mile. Exactly. So then, you know, like, and then think back to like, uh, I don't know. You know, when when the Romans were fighting different tribes and they were taking elephants with them, like when they took oh. elephants to Britannia. Like there's a, yeah. there's, a, there's a tube station in London called Elephant and Castle, which was, you know, this elephant crossing crossing this plane with this dude sitting on top riding it. And the barbarians that were living there at the time just lost their shit and ran away. Like, why wouldn't you? You know what I mean? Yeah. But we don't have those experiences anymore because we've seen everything. Or, you know, we might see something that's a... A new species, but it's only a variation of something that's already familiar to us. Right. Like, imagine seeing an elephant for the first time if you've lived in, like, I don't know, England. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Like, it would blow your mind. When did they know that elephants existed? When was it first documented? I don't know. By Western world. Obviously, Africans, you know, would be li- yeah. listening to this going, bitch, we've known about elephant for 70,000 years. When did you figure out elephant? <laughs> you know, they're like, when did, oh, when did the civilized folk learn of the larger animals on the plains? You know, when did they discover? When did people discover elephants? Oh, it wasn't until 1900. <laughs> But, Once but like, white people got down there, proper people. Like, imagine, <laughs> when, imagine when the explorers like first saw a giraffe. Yeah. Like, how much would that blow your mind? Well, I guess we grew up with them, though, didn't we? I mean, if the, if you believe that human life uh, emanated from the lower hominids that existed in Africa and came down from the rainforest into the grasslands, we would have probably been around them. 
But would they would they have not uh, would they still not seem unfamiliar if you It'd were be alien like as if you if you were from like Mongolia? Oh yeah, then it'd be alien as fuck. You know? If you came over from, I mean, if, essentially, if you go anywhere where you haven't been there before and they have some new shit, you're like, what are you doing with fucking kangaroos everywhere? <laughs> what yeah. the fuck? I have a friend named Eddie Ift. He's a stand-up comic, and uh, he's done very well in Australia, and he goes over there quite a bit. And one of the things he told me was that he first encountered a, a kangaroo. Kangaroos have killed people, mm. like, many times. Like, they will fucking rip you apart. <laughs> and he didn't know how big they got. There's two kangaroos, like a red one and a gray one, I guess. One of them is giant. One of them's like, nine feet tall. And he was out in this guy's yard, and he saw this kangaroo, and he thought it was a statue because it was too big. He started walking towards it. So he was like, because it was nine feet tall. Wow. And he was like, well, that's not really a kangaroo. Kangaroos don't get that <laughs> tall. And his friends go, stop walking and turn around now. Get the fuck away from that thing. And kangaroo like looks at him. And all of a sudden he realized, oh, Jesus, this is a nine foot squirrel that's about to fuck me up. Yeah, that's a scary thought. It's a nine foot jumping squirrel that will kick your guts out. Yeah. Yikes. But but the thing is like like my, my point still stands though. He's already, he's still seen what a kangaroo looks like right. even if he's even if he's not expecting a nine foot one. Right. Like like right. even if a, even if a velociraptor showed up right now in this room, you know, we've seen it. We've we've kind of seen we kind of know what they look like. There's right. no surprises. But an alien landing. Yeah. Is it that's still kind of a shock to the system. But then again on top of that the DMT realm is completely removed altogether. Yeah, and aliens, the problem I always have with aliens is they look so much like us in the future. Yeah. I always wonder whether or not, like, I mean, the, the, the big, the grand theory is the simulation theory, that we're mm. living inside some sort of uh, artificial reality and that the aliens really are us. And that's why we have this weird image of that being us in the future. We're already there, and we didn't like it. It sucks. It's mm. boring. We, we, we sort of evolved the fun out of life. <laughs> so we've created this crazy simulation that we all exist in that's the grand theory that's the grand theory involving the aliens yeah. for me at least okay. okay that's why they look like us and that's why they have big black things for their eyes we fuck the environment so hard that you have to have sunglasses everywhere you just everywhere you go you have to have built-in sunglasses so we just artificially create sunglasses for each other just put giant fucking black things over your eyes done there don't worry about the fucking hyperviolent rays or whatever is out there and it's we have, jacking you we have really long fingers from texting Exactly. <laughs> well, at that point in time, you probably control everything with your mind. So yeah, you, there's probably no need for muscles. That's why they're so skinny. There's little tiny dudes with giant heads, and they control everything with their minds. Do you think? Do you think we could potentially evolve to that state? Unquestionably. Really? No doubt about it. it I think that if current... we can send to this day, we, I, my, this computer's not hooked up to anything, Dan Hardy, but yet it's on the internet. Yeah. It's getting the internet through the space around <laughs> us. You know, you're telling me that that can't eventually be human yeah, consciousness look, itself traveling through space through some sort of a, a mechanism for, for, for generating it or promoting it or projecting it. Do you know the fart theory, Dan? It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. <laughs> you know the fart theory? I don't know the fart theory. My alien fart theory is this. Um, if someone farted and you didn't have a sense of smell, you'd have no idea that you're sitting in someone's fart because <laughs> you can't see it. You know, you really don't know. And farts are like a real fart. You're like, oh, my God. And you'll get the fuck out. You close your mouth. But you don't see a damn thing. Yeah. Somehow or another, you've been affected by something that you didn't pick up with your normal senses yeah. or with all of your normal senses. You heard it, and then you smelt it, but you saw nothing. Yeah. How do we not know there's not a, an infinite amount of things all around us all the time that we just do not have the ability to detect so, so that's, or quantify? So that's your argument for people that laugh at you when you use the, word, uh, use the term energy. Like yes. We start talking about energy and stuff, yeah. and like bros, to like, oh yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever. Bros, yeah, you bros can, are always a problem. You it's can always smell dudes. a fart though. Can smell a fart. 
Yeah, and you don't know what the fuck that is. That's energy. Yeah. Yeah. And the yeah. bigger the dude, Monk Legley, the more energy he's going to put out his farts. <laughs> you know? I mean, if Tony yeah. Hinchcliffe farts or if Joey Diaz farts, which way do you want to lean? You mean when Tony queefs. <laughs> Come on. Hey, easy. Come on, man. Listen, Dan Hardy, you're a bad motherfucker. Thank and you, uh, I, I'll have you on anytime you're around, man. Anytime awesome. you want to come back, let's we could we could do this for. I have to leave, otherwise I would keep going forever. Okay. But I think you and I could talk for a long time. Yeah. And we've been friends for a long time, man. Yeah. You're a cool motherfucker. Thank I, you, I sir. like you, and I, I'm really um, uh, I'm I'm very appreciative of how you are evolving as a human being. I think it's really fascinating to watch, and uh, I congratulate you, you on your on your travels. Thank you. Well, I'll be out, I'll be out helping Mac out and stuff. For his so fire, you're gonna be so for a while. I'll, I'll, I'll be around in California and. I'll kind of start. Let's do it again in a couple weeks. Let's do that. Let's Let's do do it again. Powerful Dan Hardy. All right, my brother. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for sponsoring this bad boy. Uh, Thanks to Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com forward slash Joe and use the code Joe4 to save yourself some shekels, son. Okay? Joe Rogan? Okay. If you. um, (laughs) I don't know where that came from. You're talking to yourself? I was um, reading Brian, reading while I was doing this. Uh, thanks also to Hover. Go to hover.com forward slash Rogan and get 10% off your domain name registrations. And thanks to onit.com. Use the code name Rogan at O-N-N-I-T and save 10% off any and all supplements. All right, you freaks. We'll be back tomorrow with the great Daniele Bolelli returns the Drunken Taoist podcast to drop some knowledge about religious history and how much bitches like an accent like that? Oh, shit. All right. Thank you guys for tuning in. We love you. And uh, as Joey Diaz says, stay black. <laughs>